The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome into our SB Nation NFL Live Draft Show. Pete Sweeney here. I'm the editor-in-chief over at Arrowhead Pride, also a member of the SB Nation NFL Show. A pleasure to be joined by my partner on Monday, Football Monday. RJ, usually our roles are reversed. I got the hosting role tonight. I'm happy to have you for the beginning here. How are you feeling about the NFL Draft? It's exciting to be here, Pete. Uh, great to be in your company. Obviously, um, you're the most dapper man uh, throughout the SB Nation universe, <laughs> and so it's a joy to look deep into your hazel yeah. eyes. Um, is it behind these hazel eyes? Was that Kelly Clarkson? Uh, but either way. Either way. Uh, yeah, either way. I mean, these are some dark, deep eyes, so right, note um, that ahead of time, right? I am so pumped. I'm actually kind of shocked that it begins in like 13 minutes. Um, it still feels thir- like hours from now. It's 13 minutes and counting, and it it felt like this has been something that's been building and building. I think it's this heavy quarterback draft, and so I think there's been more and more anticipation as we've drawn closer to this thing. Uh, and here's the thing about SB Nation, and this is the great part about our SB Nation NFL show, is we have this grand network. I cover the Chiefs, you cover the Cowboys, but we cover 32 NFL teams, and there will be 32 picks tonight. Not every team is picking. My Chiefs aren't, which is why I'm, I'm leading the way here. Your Cowboys are picking 10th. But the great thing about SB Nation is we can tap into our writers all across our network to get insight as to who uh, the team should pick, what the positions of, of need are, and also, too, we want you to get involved. So make sure you're commenting. If you're watching on Facebook, make sure you're tweeting along, commenting on Periscope. Your comments will appear here, and we'll discuss the things uh, that are on your mind. RJ, before we get into some of these draft picks, I want to talk about the NFL's biggest story, and that is, of course, Tim Tebow and this tryout that he got <laughs> for the Jacksonville. No, of course But that is a big story or a bigger story earlier today. But Aaron Rodgers suddenly in the middle of the afternoon on NFL Live on ESPN, Adam Schefter had this bomb. And you knew it wasn't exclusive. If Adam Schefter is waiting two minutes and letting the commercial run by and Ian Rappaport has his Twitter thumbs going away, his texting and he's calling, he has no idea about what is about to drop. And Adam Schefter said that Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled that he does not want to return to the Green Bay Packers. I'd imagine as a Cowboys guy first, you were happy to hear this. Get him out of the NFC, right? 
Yeah, uh, the uh, the big scary man in the conference is now leaving. And Pete, I don't know that I would qualify this as breaking news. Um, and shout out to everybody who has joined us um, on Twitter and Facebook on the SB Nation platforms. But I don't know if you've seen this, Pete, because you're doing such a great job of setting things up here. Uh, on the timeline right now, as the NFL draft is set to begin, apparently Mark Schlereth, who has been on the SB Nation NFL show, by the way, uh, just said on 104.3 The Fan that the Broncos are not taking a quarterback in the NFL draft because they are close to trading for Aaron Rodgers per his sources. He put it, quote, as close to a done deal as it can be. You are the Kansas City Chiefs expert. Does the thought of Aaron Rodgers entering your house terrify you? And more importantly, do you believe this? Do you believe that this could actually happen the night of the NFL draft? You know, there are certain, I think, media members across the board in Denver who are really on the pulse of things where those tweets tend to come across before the real news breaks. And Slareth is one of them. I mean, that if he is tweeting that, I, I do believe that uh, there are some bones to that rumor. And yeah, I mean, you put Aaron Rodgers in the AFC West. I think suddenly the Denver Broncos are a threat. I was talking today on local radio in Kansas City, and there were the three teams, right? We were talking about the San Francisco 49ers. We were talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, and we were talking about the Denver Broncos. It actually wouldn't scare me that that much. No offense to, to you silver and black pride readers out there if he went to the Las Vegas Raiders, but the Denver Broncos have that defense in, in place. They have an offensive line in place. There are plenty of weapons for Aaron Rodgers. And RJ, I've joked about this with you, and I know you're always trying to maybe – throw up after I say things like that. It's just hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. It would be hard to pick Patrick Mahomes going into Denver against Aaron Rodgers with this complete team. We were gypped in Kansas City and in Green Bay back in 2019 when we were supposed to get this Mahomes-Rodgers matchup. That was when Mahomes had uh, the dislocated kneecap. Uh, so now you are maybe about to get it for two times a year for the foreseeable future. I know uh, Aaron Rodgers wants to play for quite a few more years. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, this is the John Elway way, the L way, if you will, um, an inability to scout and land a quarterback in his own right. So just take whichever one is on the open market. Um, I mean, uh, this this would be awesome, honestly. And tell me, you know, if you disagree, but if you're the Green Bay Packers, if if Aaron Rodgers is truly as upset as Adam Schefter intimated on NFL Live earlier today, um, I mean, Schefter even went as far as like including Aaron's personal life, his engagement to actor Shailene Woodley this offseason, and obviously his hosting of Jeopardy. Uh, not as yep. great of a job as you're doing tonight, if, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> um, but, um, but I mean, if, if you truly believe that the Green Bay Packers understand that Aaron Rodgers is this upset, do you not have to move him tonight? Because the moment tonight is over, you have to wait an entire year before right. you can ultimately exercise the capital that you would gain for him. You're ultimately, I mean, we talk so much on our shows about how precious the life of a rookie contract is when it comes to quarterbacks. And so if you're the Packers and you believe that Jordan Love is the guy, even if you don't, if Aaron Rodgers wants to leave, you have no choice. You have to go all in on that right now, which means you need that capital tonight, potentially the ninth overall pick. I would imagine that would be involved, which Denver holds at the moment. And you got to think that tonight's the night where you can maximize value because there's just so much uncertainty, right? You don't know who's going to go where. You don't know who's calling who. It seems like there's so many active teams. So if you don't make the move now, maybe somebody else will. And I think the Denver Broncos make more sense than the team like the San Francisco 49ers. I know that you probably saw that trade this morning where they were floating the, the third overall pick. Uh, they were floating Jimmy G, potentially some more picks, potentially some players. 
and and this is what gave me pause in Kansas City when the Baltimore Ravens just traded the Chiefs Orlando Brown last week. I, I still don't understand that. But why in a million years would the Green Bay Packers want to send this tremendous future Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning quarterback within the conference? So the AFC West teams to me like always made more sense. Get him out of the conference. So if he bites us, it's going to have to be in the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or if you were to meet him in the Super Bowl. And so, again, uh, Broncos make a lot of sense. And I think this was a good lesson probably for the Houston Texans. And I'm talking even before some of these off-the-field lawsuits types of things uh, started to happen. Deshaun Watson said, I'm not going to play in Houston. And the Houston Texans were kind of hard-headed at the time and saying, we're not going to trade him no matter what. He's going to play for us. Green Bay is getting ahead of this. This was clearly Aaron Rodgers today going to Adam Schefter, probably through his agency, a lot of these players like to text Jay Glazer directly, and it seemed like that was happening. He wasn't going to go back to Green Bay. So tonight's the night. You have a lot of teams that are active. Maximize the vol- uh, the value right now. I agree. Um, while I love your take, Pete, and I certainly love mine, um, I'm always interested for the take of the manager and editor-in-chief, Troll Extraordinaire from Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation's Philadelphia Eagles site, uh, Brandon Lee, Gallatin, BLG. Uh, my first question to you, why, uh, unless this truly did materialize over the course of the last like five hours, why would the Broncos trade for Teddy Bridgewater yesterday just to potentially land Aaron Rodgers today? Do you believe that they maybe didn't know that this was a true possibility until today and just said, who cares? We already dealt. It was just a sixth round pick for Teddy B. We'll deal with that. I mean, let's just bring Aaron Rodgers in right now. Well, I think you just said it. It's a six-round pick. It's not like you're committing much. It's a contingency plan. It's a great backup to have, honestly. If that's your number two quarterback, that's 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 fine. Behind Aaron Rodgers, that's quite good. Uh, it's crazy how this is coming together. While you guys were talking there, I also don't know if you saw Jed York tweeting. Uh, I don't know if he's trolling or what, but he's saying something about, wait, phone call coming in. What area code is 920? And for those who don't know, that is Eastern Wisconsin. So I think he's kind of just messing with people, but I can't tell. This day is wild. Right. And and I think that's what's part of the cool part of the NFL in 2021, where you're having some of these executives and whatnot on Twitter, representatives of the San Francisco 49ers kind of joking and, and things uh, about it. And man, the news is already flying. And, and here we are just five minutes away from the start of the NFL ja- draft with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock. We have Aaron Rodgers, we think will go to um what is the Denver Broncos? Now I want to turn it back to you, RJ, very quickly here. As we approach what will be the number one pick, we kind of know exactly how this is going to go. And we have known it for weeks where the number one pick is all likelihood going to be Trevor Lawrence, then Zach Wilson to what will be the New York Jets. The mystery here, if there is mystery, is what will happen with pick number three with the San Francisco 49ers. How do you see this going? I know we had talked weeks ago, and and we have kind of changed our tune here and there. I, I think we've all picked all three of the remaining quarterbacks at one point or another. How are you feeling now, just four minutes away from the NFL draft? BLG noted that Jed York uh, is enjoying, I think the, the, the 49ers have enjoyed the attention more than any team this offseason, and they have really done everything they can to kind of, you know, bleed this dry and good for them i suppose um but i mean if it feels like it's mac jones um obviously based on like every mock in the world and like i mean these you know i i am certainly not an nfl draft expert by any means but the people that are 
have Mac Jones going third overall. And like, it's one thing to say like, oh, they have so-and-so going 20th to the Chicago Bears because that's such a hard thing to predict. But especially in a draft where the first and second overall picks are so obvious and so effectively locked in, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that they would then effectively be wrong on what was the true first unknown pick in the draft. That just doesn't seem plausible to me, barring some sort of like Cleveland Farrell situation. Um, but so if it's Mac Jones, I, I mean, I don't know. And I think, you know, BLG mentioned the report that the Niners, you know, offered a trade for Aaron Rodgers yesterday. I, I just refuse to believe that Kyle Shanahan is incompetent. Um, so he is definitely a troll extraordinaire um, in that he has commanded attention. He's talked about liking five different quarterbacks. They were in the news for wanting Aaron Rodgers. J.D. York's tweeting now. Whatever not San Francisco is going to do, they really, really, really want it to be a secret. Right. And and so you will go with Mac Jones. I, I saw some of the betting lines today and the late money is coming in in Las Vegas. And it seems to be that Trey Lance is suddenly back in the mix after being buried with what has been this entire draft process. So I, I tend to think it's going to be Lance. RJ, you think it'll be Jones. BLG, where do you stand on this? Well, I'm sure we'll ask uh, Rob Stats Carrera, who will be on here later, his take uh, on how he feels about all this. Just like the feeling, though. Can you imagine this of being a 49ers fan and being like, we might get Aaron Rodgers, and then you actually get Mac Jones, just like the uh, <laughs> the drop-off there, uh, pretty stark. I feel like, you know, there's been so much buzz about Jones. You're looking at, like, Peter King saying this. You're looking at like, Adam Schechter saying this over the course of the process. It just feels like like that's where you have to lean. But it just doesn't make sense logically, right? You can't trade up for Mac Jones. There is no way in heck he <laughs> is the third best player in this draft. And I think I like Mac Jones mo- more than most people, but he's not the third best player in this class. I think you could say, in theory, Trey Lance could be. I think he has that ceiling. And as I'm talking here, I also wanted to note that uh, Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports also saying the Broncos have indeed put together an impressive deal for Rodgers. Um, so more buzz on that. But yeah, uh, I-, I think it should be Lance and maybe they don't mess it up and they go that direction, but the Jones smoke is too strong to ignore. Well, let's invite someone who knows his quarterbacks, touchdown wires, Mark Schofield, who is on the pulse of all of these quarterbacks. We've been in the discussion about where will the San Francisco 49ers go uh, with this pick. We already know that Lawrence should be going to the Jaguars. We think Wilson to the Jets. Uh, Mark, welcome to the SB Nation live draft show here. What are you thinking when it comes to these first couple picks at the quarterback position? Good evening, gentlemen. It's great to be with you. And and obviously the discussion, I think, begins with the San Francisco 49ers on the clock here with the third selection in the first round because we all anticipate it will be Trevor Lawrence at one. And everything seems to point that it will be Zach Wilson at two, and there are reasons why the Jets will go in that direction, I think. But then the intrigue does begin at three, and I'm with BLG. When you give up two future first-round picks to come to the top of the board, you do it to get a player that can transcend your system. Now, we all know that Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive mind. It can certainly scheme things up to make Mac Jones a very effective NFL quarterback. But you want somebody that can transcend your offense. You want somebody that can take your offense that's good and make it even better. And even Kyle Shanahan has talked about having that athletic ability at the quarterback position. We saw it last year when San Francisco got carved up by Josh Allen. And after that game, Kyle Shanahan talked about the different things that Josh Allen allows that offense to do from an athletic standpoint and sort of pressure in the edges, getting outside of the pocket, extending plays. Matt Jones, that's not what he's best at. But Trey Lance, that's what he can bring to this offense. He can transcend this offense and make it better. And so I think the draft begins at three. I understand why all the smoke and RJ is right. Look, everybody is telling us it's Mac Jones at three, and we can understand why. 
But I still think that, look, if you want to give up two future first-round picks to come to the top of the board to draft a quarterback, you get somebody that can transcend your offense, not just run it. Mark, I have two things for you. Sorry, Pete. Uh, Before I leave, I've got some Dallas Cowboys duties to tend to before I circle back later on this evening um, on on our live coverage. But, uh, Mark, number one, love the all-juice T-shirt you're rocking. uh, You go, The great Therese Paler. Uh, Great deal right there. Uh, But second thing is, uh, are you a Kings of Leon fan? Because we have not been able to hear this because we've been discussing things. But according to the timeline, um, the artists uh, and the authors of You Somebody are rather loud um, at the NFL draft compound to the point that nobody can even hear it. the analysts that are talking on tv so are you a kings of leon fan Mark? <laughs> i am a kings of leon fan i am not a big kings of leon fan and look man i'm a bit on the older side and so i'm glad i'm not in the room right now when i wouldn't be able to hear anything i'm much more enjoying being with you guys right now um but i you know hey look we have turned the nfl draft into a year-long event and it's a fantastic event. I know everybody out in Cleveland is having a great time. Our, our, all, all of us know and love Jeff Risden. He's out there tonight. And so I'm extremely happy that Jeff's there because I'm sure Jeff Risden, noted metalhead, huge fan of Metallica, is just loving some Kings of Leon right now. Good deal. Uh, shout out to Gina Kelly, by the way, Taylor Swift forever. I'll see you boys later this evening. Enjoy Aaron Rodgers at Denver Bronco, I imagine, soon enough. <laughs> a quick note on the All Juice t-shirt. You can get it at our friends at Breaking Tea, and this will go to the Howard University Scholarship for Therese Paler. It's a it's a great cause and a great man, and I think everybody's thinking about him tonight as we do watch this uh, NFL draft. Want to keep it on the quarterback position. We opened the show by talking about Aaron Rodgers and this uh, desire to go to the Denver Broncos when you heard this news today that he was involved and there was a short list between the 49ers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. What uh, we, what were you thinking? How shocked were you to hear this news? Not really shocked so much, Pete, because we've, we've heard and seen a lot sort of through the grapevine, even some of the comments that Rodgers made after this team drafted Jordan Love in the first round a year ago. You know, he poured himself four fingers of tequila, like he said, and it certainly didn't <laughs> seem like he was too excited to see a new quarterback in town. It did seem like this was a relationship that was starting to unravel out in Green Bay. And so I think what we've seen over the past couple of months now in the NFL is quarterbacks are starting to realize they have some power. We saw Russell Wilson, right? And all the comments that Russell Wilson made about sort of roster construction, making noise about potentially moving on. We saw with Deshaun Watson before his legal situation arose. Deshaun Watson was certainly making comments about, you know, ownership and the direction of the team. And it certainly seemed like he wasn't happy with the the coaching decision that was made, not bringing in Eric and B enemy. And so it does seem like quarterbacks are realizing that, look, they have some agency, they have some power because we can't find 32 people on this planet to play quarterback at a high level. And so 100%. if you're one of the elites, you've got some some juice behind you that you can sort of make some noise. And so I think Rodgers hasn't been shy about sort of talking about how he's been upset, talking about how he'd like to see this team build around him. And now it's probably reached to a point where he realizes that teams are going to want to come get him. And if the Denver Broncos are putting together what's being called a great package to go get Aaron Rodgers, you have to think he's going to be on the move at some point in the next four, eight, 12 hours. Yeah, it's something that greatly surprised me just because it's one of those players that when they wear the Packers uniform, it's really hard to see them in another uniform. I think about Brett Favre 
we what we did this when he was retiring, right. not retiring. Is Aaron Rodgers the next guy? Not really helping the transition. Kind of disgruntled that another quarterback was brought in. It's crazy how history is repeating itself uh, in Green Bay. But I think you can understand with the drafting of Jordan Love last year why Rodgers was disgruntled, especially when you get so close to getting to the Super Bowl. So, of course, he is going to be unhappy with how it's going. And I think you are seeing that shift in a, in a sense to the NBA where players are starting to take control of their careers. And I think they realize Absolutely. just how short their careers can be in the NFL. You never know how long of a chance that you're going to get. And so let me get into a situation as soon as possible. A team that's trying to get into a good situation, it seems, is New Orleans Saints. All day long, they've been apparently trying to trade into the top 10. I'm seeing a note here from our producer, Michael Kist. Uh, the thought is that it could be for Mac Jones. How do you feel about what would be a Sean Payton, New Orleans Saints, Mac Jones matchup there? I do think that conceptually and schematically, that makes a lot of sense. You look at Sean Payton's offense, what he does stylistically. You look at, obviously, Drew Brees and the success that he had in that offense. It's a it's an emphasis on time and on rhythm, on accuracy, on you know taking advantage of mismatches that Sean Payton, much like we just talked about with Kyle Shanahan, can create in the passing game. And I do think that the idea of Mac Jones in that system is the kind of environment where Mac Jones, if he doesn't go to San Francisco – could reach his potential as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Now, we expect Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston to sort of get the first crack at that quarterback job. But the fact that New Orleans is rumored to come up, whether it's for a cornerback or for Mac Jones, tells me that Sean Payton isn't convinced that those two guys are going to be able to get the job done for him. And he sees in Mac Jones potentially the kind of quarterback that could be that point guard in his offense. Doesn't have to do a ton, doesn't have to put a, a lot on his plate, but he can distribute the football, get the ball around to his receivers, get the ball to Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, and just take what the the defense is going to give him on a down-to-down basis. That's what a Mac Jones' strengths as a quarterback, and I could see it meshing very well in Sean Payton's offense. Yeah, Mari, I I'm just I I'm I'm longing to see Jameis Winston get his opportunity. Ever since, right. well, he ate a W. He changed teams. He, he he fixed his eyes, and then he enters that playoff game and just so happy to throw that touchdown pass. And right. I'm like, you know what? I know this is just one play, and the analytics Twitter will come out and say. Pete, that's the smallest sample size of the smallest sample size. Right. Don't you think that there's something going on there with I, Winston? Maybe I'm with, he, I'm with you, Pete. I, I would love to see Jameis Winston get another shot because I'm not ready to close the book on Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think if you look back at, yeah, he threw the 30 interceptions two seasons ago in Tampa Bay. And yes, he leaves Tampa Bay. They get Tom Brady. They win a Super Bowl. And people are probably thinking, well, maybe it's time to sort of close that book on Jameis Winston. I'm not ready to go there. I think a year learning from Sean Payton, a year learning from watching Drew Brees can do him some good. And I think if you sort of watch Jameis Winston, watch those 30 interceptions, there's stuff that he can clean up. I mean, remember, he comes out of college and he's immediately starting quarterback at Tampa Bay, like thrown to, you know, thrown into the fire right out of the gate. This was a chance last season for him to sort of take a step back, catch his breath. Sometimes you need that as a quarterback, even somebody as talented as Jameis Winston, sort of take a step back, look at what you can do, look at where you need to improve, and sort of get that part of it fixed. And I think if he did that, he could still be a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. I think that potential is there, particularly under Sean Payton. So while you know this sort of Mac Jones connection is born out of the idea that there's one quarterback they'd be willing to come up for, don't forget there's a lot of people that think they're coming up for a corner, whether it's Patrick right. Sertan the second, whether it's J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, yep. 
Um, so they could be going in that direction. And if, you know, they get up to say eight or something or nine, you know, maybe if that quarterback, they like Mac Jones is there. Great. If not, they'll go for one of those corners because they're trying to get ahead of Dallas at 10, who we all know has a need in the secondary. Yeah. I've had this dream for a while that the 49ers were trading up to three to take Kyle Pitts and just go with the right. two tight end set in San Francisco and let Jimmy G ride. But we know that that's not happening. The 49ers are going up to three with that trade with the Miami dolphins to get a quarterback. Cause that's the only reason you go up to three. And I think you've seen some of these teams. We talked about the Denver Broncos and how uh, they're at number nine. It's probably too high to get one of these cornerbacks. Something that I had noted is the fact that there's a really good chance that the quarterback go one two three four because they're that premium of position in the nfl if you don't have a quarterback you have you don't have anything want to talk about another team that's in the top 10 as we're waiting for the jacksonville jaguars to be on the clock we think trevor lawrence assuredly i saw minus 100,000 odds they will go to the jacksonville jaguars so we're talking about some of these other teams the carolina panthers pick at number eight and they make the move for sam darnold but i think what's been peculiar in carolina is that they have yet to exercise as of this recording as of this live show uh, his fifth year option so could they be potentially in the mix for a quarterback to add into that system Absolutely, Pete. I, I, what I like about Carolina with the trade that they made for Sam Darnold is it gave them some flexibility with that selection. They could stay at eight, and if they like a quarterback and if a quarterback that they like falls to them, great, they could still draft him. If they don't like the quarterback options that are available, they could go in a different direction. They could draft a Rashawn Slater. They could draft a Penny Sewell if he falls. They could potentially trade out if a team is giving them a nice enticing offer where, okay, now you pick up a future first-rounder, now, if Sam Darnold doesn't work out, you've got the assets to go forward and get a quarterback in the years to come. But I think what's interesting now with this potential Aaron Rodgers move floating out there, there are a lot of people that said maybe Carolina looks at Drew Locke and says, okay, now let's go get Drew Locke. If we don't like the quarterback options at eight, if we want to go in a different direction, if we trade out, now we can add Drew Locke into the mix. That gives us two young quarterbacks still under sort of rookie deals, still cost-controlled. That gives us the chance to figure it out with one of these two guys under Joe Brady, and we can sort the quarterback position out with these two young arms and figure out which one of these guys can do it and which one of these guys can't. So Carolina has a ton of options at their disposal tonight. They could draft somebody if they like at eight. They could go in a different direction to quarterback. They could acquire Drew Locke if this Aaron Rodgers deal does indeed go through. Or they could trade out. They have a lot of different pathways to sort of address their needs here at eight, including the quarterback position. And anytime a team does that, give themselves multiple pathways, multiple opportunities to address their needs. I love that from a roster construction standpoint. Now, I, I think you're making a great point here because there's only 32 starting jobs in the NFL. And so you have this Denver Broncos, and, and we're seeing right now there's there's mixed reports as to whether or not uh, Denver will actually acquire Aaron Rodgers. But let's say they do, and you're suddenly in that room, and you do have Rodgers, and you do have Bridgewater, and you do have Locke. Locke, to me, at least, again, I cover the Kansas City Chiefs. I had an opportunity to see Drew Locke. I think he showed flashes of a guy that could play the quarterback position as one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the world. I don't know if he's had a fair shake given the shoulder injury, given that in COVID situation where they were playing the wide receiver uh, for that one game. What do you like about Drew Locke? What have you seen that shows you, okay, maybe he could be a franchise quarterback, maybe not for the Denver Broncos, maybe elsewhere. 
I think with Drew Locke, it sort of begins with the arm talent, the ability to make off-platform throws, to adjust the arm angle, and to drop the arm slot. So if he gets pressure at his face, he gets pressure off the edges, he can fit throws around those incoming rushers and sort of keep the offense going, keep plays on schedule as a result of that. But I also like you look at him against, say, the Carolina Panthers last year. Interestingly enough, um, he carved them up pretty well. He was actually showing you the things you want to see at the position where he's moving safeties with his eyes. He's manipulated defenders in the secondary. He's working through reads and working through progressions. Now, then you see him in that game against the Raiders where he throws four interceptions and looks like he can't put it all together. And you can see why Denver might be willing to move on. But I think if you're another team, like, say, the Carolina Panthers, you can look at what he did against you. You can look at what he did in some other games and realize, look, there's an opportunity here to go in on a quarterback that's still under that cost control deal. You have a year or two to sort of see if you can figure it out with them. There is talent to be there and to be sort of tapped into. And Joe Brady can certainly do that. We've seen what he's done with Joe Burrow and even Teddy Bridgewater last year. And so I think go acquiring drew lock for carolina might be a very smart move i do think there's a good quarterback there to be found and i do think that he could still be a starting quarterback and a good one in the nfl love that point about carolina and playing drew lock because i think in the pageantry of the nfl we occasionally will forget that these guys are human too so if matt rule is seeing this great quarterback and he says you know why can't i have one of those i think we saw it uh, with new england uh, when you have this clip going right. around Twitter where he's hugging Hunter Henry after the game, and like, man, what what was said right there, you know? And then all of a exactly. sudden, Hunter Henry is in New England with the Patriots. So who knows if the interest is going to be drummed up there? Mark, I'm watching some of the feed here. It looks like uh, Roger Goodell has properly been booed as we are speaking right now. We are uh, officially underway, Pete. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, are going to be on the clock. I want to shift the conversation there. I mean, we. We know it's it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I do want to ask you about their situation uh, as well as Lawrence and what you like about him. But before we do, I want to talk about the breaking news that was today. I joked, joked at the top of the show, the real top NFL story, Tim Tebow back Tim in the Tebow. mix getting some kind of tryout. And it's not at the quarterback position. It's at the tight ends position. To me, Tim. You had this grand opportunity nine years ago to be a tight end. Why did you wait? And why did you play for the New York Mets before you decided to be a tight end? What did you make of this news? I don't know. I mean, we all wanted to be baseball players growing up, I guess. And maybe Tim wanted to tap into that. <laughs> What's interesting, though. Babe Ruth. Jack, Babe Ruth. Right, exactly. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to be Nomar growing up. Um, sure. Look. Jacksonville is a needed tight end position. I mean, that's one position that they probably will address sometime on day two. And so I'm sure Tim Tebow is looking at a couple of things. He's looking at that. He's looking at the fact that a lot of people thought, like you said, Pete, his pathway to stick in the NFL was a position switch to whether, you know, H-back, fullback, tight end. You know, he's certainly a great athlete. He was able to play in the minor league system for the New York Mets, like you mentioned. And so right. I think this is an opportunity for him to sort of resurrect what's left of his football playing days. Now, what's interesting is to think about the situation where Trevor Lawrence throws his first interception and Urban Meyer sitting there and he's got his old college <laughs> quarterback that, that won him a title back in refuses to lose, too. He always yeah, refuses I mean, to you lose. Know, remember, he's got that plaque, the promise, on the side of the stadium down there in, in Tallahassee. So, um, you know, there's some jokes to be made there about Urban sort of getting Tim to warm up on the sidelines. But I do think it's interesting. I'm also – Thankful that Aaron Rodgers, though, sort of came from out of nowhere to give us, you know, an actual conversation. Otherwise, if we didn't have this Aaron Rodgers storyline, we would have spent the last five hours talking about Tim Tebow at tight end. And Pete, you're fantastic at what you do. 
But man, you would have been struggling after a couple of hours of talking about <laughs> Tim Tebow inside Ed, my friend. I know, I know. I I was joking with some friends earlier today, and I made a a chicken wing bet with one of my friends who said uh, he's not going to play another snap in the NFL. I'm like, you know what? If there's one person and one situation where he could potentially play a snap in the NFL, it's with Urban Meyer in what is his home state, where they love him, and for the story alone. Sometimes those type of stories uh, put butts in seats, and they're attractive yep. to owners. And you know, if somehow Tebow makes that roster, they will have that like goal line, fake quarterback draw, jump pass in the playbook for Tim Tebow because he might just be a blocking third tight end for them, but they could put him in shotgun on the goal line and start getting defenses wondering. You know Urban Meyer would love to call that on some Sunday afternoon. Well, the Jaguars, speaking of them, they are officially on the clock. The NFL draft has now officially begun. We've been waiting for this for months. A quick note, uh, still in the AFC, Jimmy G is not expected to uh, be traded to the New England Patriots. So we'll see where he ends up. It does not seem like San Francisco has any interest in him playing a snap of quarterback for them. Uh, next year so we have the jacksonville jaguars let's talk about their 2020 season 115 in one in 15 in 2020 that's the worst record of course in the national football league amazing how they did it they won week one against the indianapolis colts and they lost the rest of their games the story of tonight really and we've been talking about this situation since uh, it happened last year the new york jets and adam gase decide as he's on his way out, we're going to somehow beat the Los Angeles Rams and really gift the Jacksonville Jaguars what will be uh, Trevor Lawrence. 2020, of course, marked the end of David Caldwell as general manager. He was fired in November, and Doug Marone, after four years, he was fired shortly after the season. And ever since the season's been over, it's been a foregone conclusion that the Jacksonville Jaguars would take Trevor Lawrence and everybody, all the analysts, all the film guys, the Orlovskis, the... Uh, Booger McFarlane's any kind of network that you watch there is like this guy is the biggest slam dunk pick uh, since Andrew Luck. When you watch some of the film of Trevor Lawrence and you review his college career, why is this such a sure pick uh, for the guys in Jacksonville? I think for a couple of reasons, Peter, and I think it starts with sort of schematic versatility. He's a sort of universal fit in any offense you want to run if you're Urban Meyer. If you want to run, you know, a spread system like you were running at Utah, like you were running right. at Bowling Green, he can run that. If you want to run sort of what Darren Bavel has been running when he was with the San Francisco, with the Seattle Seahawks, excuse me, 12 personnel, a lot of play action, he could give you that too. If you want to look at his ability as a runner, and drop a bit to say what Lamar Jackson is doing with the Baltimore Ravens. Trevor Lawrence can do that too because he's such a talented runner. He's a very talented ball carrier. You see vision, cuts, footwork as a runner. And so he's a universal fit at the position. And so you don't have to really change wildly what you're doing conceptually. You don't have to, it's not like Mac Jones where you got to change the offense to him because there's only a couple of different systems he can run. He can give you anything. So if you want to be that spread team, great. If you want to be a power team, he can do that too. Then you look at the arm talent, you look at the athleticism, you put it all together, and he's the top of the board for me. Is he a generational guy like some people have said? I don't know, but he's QB1. And given the need at the position and how important it is, he's easily the pick at one, right? Unless you're telling me something else. Right. Just under six minutes until the Jaguars have to get their their pick in. If you're looking at last year's draft and this year's draft, are you a Joe Burrow man or would you go in the direction of Lawrence? 
No, I would still go in the direction of Lawrence. In the years that I've sort of been studying the quarterback position, you know, pseudo-professionally, uh, my first draft class was the Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota draft. Lawrence gets my highest grade in the years that I've been wow. doing this. Um, he, he's a solid prospect. He checks a ton of boxes. I know there's some concerns about his 2019 tape. I know there are some concerns about the offense he was running the clumps. I know there are even some concerns about his frame because, you know, he's a bit taller but doesn't have a lot of mass to him. I think you can fill out that frame rather easily. It's not going to take away from what he can do as an athlete, what he can do in sort of, you know, escape in the pocket and things like that. So, I mean, he checks so many different boxes for me, Pete. Right. And then, you know, you look at the arm talent, you look at the throws he can make, you look at the times when he was asked to work through reads, work through progressions. He does that extremely well. There's really not a lot you can nitpick on him. He's a solid prospect and as solid as it gets. Right. And I, I think sometimes you'll watch the Lawrence film and he just kind of looks like one of these quarterbacks that is having success in the NFL today because of the variety of things you had mentioned with the short, the intermediate and and the long. And it does start to seem as you're watching more and more and more that he's a no brainer for Jacksonville. And that's why I think the personnel personnel staff for Jacksonville and really New York are in good positions because everyone just kind of seems to agree. So if this was by some you'd almost call it a miracle where he this just was a complete bust. It's not that Trubisky situation. You know, that's more for the third pick, which we're going right. to get to probably in about 20 minutes of the San Francisco 49ers, where you're not really sure. And that's when it gets a little dicey with the head coach and the general manager because they're trading up, they're going out on a limb, and there's a lot of different opinions out there. Back to Lawrence, though, the Sports Illustrated article comes out uh, a few weeks ago, and he really wants to, in his NFL career as an adult, have this work-life balance. And initially, there was some pushback as he focused on football. But then I think the 2021 in us kind of caught up, and we watched Aaron Rodgers and how he has a life out of football, how he has other interests. And this is something I think that has been accepted in 2021 nowadays, probably would have been accepted the past few years, maybe not so much before 2010 but there's this work-life balance and i think that's actually made him a more attractive quarterback in some circles including in jacksonville actually pete you could go back just a couple of seasons go back to 2018 with josh rose and a lot of the criticism that josh yep. rosen faced as a prospect see, yeah was, even more recent yeah he's got interests outside of football he's a smart kid like he wants to do different things mm -hmm. and so that was almost held against him now with trevor lawrence that comes out that you know, he does have want to have, like you said, that work-life balance. He does have interests outside of football. And people are like, okay, well, that's great. You know, we, we've all just sort of come through a year or so of realizing that, you know, there are some things that are more important than what you're doing professionally. And so I think now, you know, that's a big difference from 2018 to now, that idea that, oh, my gosh, a football player can – can have some interest away from the football field. I, I think that's a nice little, little sign of growth. But still, I don't think that what he said in that article, um, I don't think that there's really any reason to sort of look at Trevor Lawrence and think, no, we're going to pass on him at one. What's interesting, though, you know, talking to a lot of people within around the league, when you get to three, like you said, that's when you start to see the tensions in these meeting rooms, these conference rooms, these war rooms. You know, a lot of people, they'll be on the same page when it comes to the evaluation, right? All the arm talent's there. The athleticism, it's, it's there or it's not. The discussion really comes in when it comes to that scheme fit component. Can this player we're talking about run our offense or not stay with a quarterback position? And that's where I think you're really going to get to the Mac Jones discussion and what the 49ers do at three. Because can Mac Jones run the offense? Yes. Can Trey Lance? Yes. Okay, which guy can make the offense better? And I think that's probably the tension that's playing out in San Francisco right now, where Kyle Shanahan's probably convinced, look, Matt Jones is going to be fine in this system. And the others in the room might be saying, yeah, but 
Trey Lance could be even better at it. And so I think that's where you get a lot of these discussions, a lot of the sort of debates that play out of these war rooms is that scheme fit component. And I think that's going to be interesting to see play out here in a couple of minutes with San Francisco. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, it looks to be under two minutes. Well, now it says the the pick is in. We've known it for months. It, it should be Trevor Lawrence as we're waiting for this pick, which, again, we expect to be Lawrence. I do want to ask you about Urban Meyer. Do you think Meyer comes out and becomes a head coach in the NFL if this wasn't the player that he was going to be able to work with? I mean, I think that's a big draw. I mean, you look at what Jacksonville has, both from a cap space standpoint, both from a draft capital standpoint this is a team that has five picks in the first 65 right now they have two in the first round so they've got the pick here at one and they're on the clock later tonight at 25 and you've got the opportunity to coach the guy that people think is the generational talent the generational prospect at the position in trevor lawrence you know i I think that this was a situation where it was maybe last year's class and he has this opportunity i'm not so sure he comes out for joe burrow but the the opportunity to coach trevor lawrence who everybody assumes is this surefire First overall pick, top player at the position, generational type talent. That's what some people have said. That's a massive draw. You fold that in with everything else, the cap space of the draft capital. That's enough to get a lot of people out of retirement. And I guess Urban Meyer too. How soon with this Jacksonville team? And I, I understand really tough to, to make the playoffs when you're starting a program and you know, you're going to Jacksonville. This is a team that hasn't had the most success when you inject Lawrence into what will be the Jacksonville Jaguars program. What's the schedule for this team to start competing? You think in the AFC? I mean, I I think you want to keep it a conservative idea. So I think next year you should expect this to be a competitive team, but you look around the landscape of this AFC South right now, you know, Tennessee, obviously they lose Arthur Smith. So you wonder about their offense, Houston, that looks to be a very difficult situation down there including the Deshaun Watson legal situation. Indianapolis, they're going all in on Carson Wentz. Can they sort of revive Carson Wentz? There's a window for Jacksonville to be better than I think people are expecting. Again, the cap space they had at their disposal, two picks in the first round, five in the first 50, 65. That's an injection of talent that's going to be quick and give them an opportunity to turn this around in a hurry. And so I do think conservatively next year, they should be a competitive team, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're a lot better than people expect in this year ahead. As you're seeing below on the screen, the pick is in. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, as to be expected, goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the number one pick overall. If you want to get involved on the SB Nation Twitter and Facebook, make sure you comment. Your comments can appear right where that message is that the pick is in, that Trevor Lawrence will go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's a tough one, I think, right? We have, and I'm just talking about next season because we know the answer if you're talking about careers, but who is the best quarterback in Florida right now? Is it Lawrence? Is it Brady? Is it Tua? Who would you take? I think, look, as long as 12 is still, you know, putting on the cleats <laughs> and putting on the helmet, I'm not going to bet against that guy. That's I mean, right. talking about with Tom Brady, somebody who that, cares he's 43. He's, he's seven months younger than me, Pete, and I don't understand how he's doing it but he's still doing it at such a high level. And it's interesting to look at, you know, going back to the Aaron Rodgers discussion, Aaron Rodgers just lost an an NFC championship game to Tom Brady, you know, and he's in a situation now where Rodgers is seeing that, look, Tom Brady got a team around him, you know, Bruce Arians, Jason, like they added talent. They bring Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. They bring Aaron Antonio Brown down, you know, you have Chris Godwin, you know, you add some pieces around them. You've written, you know, Leonard Fournette from Jacksonville. 
Rodgers is seeing teams making moves for Tom Brady and wondering why can't why can't, it gets us back to that idea of quarterbacks taking ownership and agency right. and showing their power. And so I think that's another sort of thing to keep in mind here, what Aaron Rodgers just went through in the playoffs. But yeah, best quarterback in Florida right now, I think it's still Tom Brady. Well, there's the challenge, Trevor Lawrence. You got some yeah, go beat the best guy of all time, right? <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. All right, let's turn the page now uh, to the New York Jets, who are on the clock. Lawrence, of course, is not available. Their 2020 NFL season, after going seven and nine in 2019, the Jets fell apart, posting a two and fourteen record. Adam Gase, my God, set the Jets back in his two years as head coach. Uh, perhaps the worst possible thing he could have did or done was was win that game against the L.A. Rams, uh, which cost the Jets Trevor Lawrence. They traded Sam Darnold to the Panthers in the offseason, a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft and a second rounder and a fourth rounder in 2022. So we just got through talking about Trevor Lawrence as what would have been the go-to pick here. Uh, similar to that standpoint, it seems like everybody has Zach Wilson for the Jets. What does Wilson offer that makes him so attractive in New York here? It's the scheme fit component. And I think that's the biggest piece to this puzzle. And obviously, look, when you watch Zach Wilson this past year, you see that arm talent. You see the splash throws he can make. You see the athleticism making plays outside the pocket, off of structure, off platform. And that's certainly what gets people watching him. But when you dig a little deeper into that offense, he was running the BYU. Part of the reason for his big jump from sophomore year to this past season was that offensive scheme fit, that big, that component of the outside zone, play action, boot action, moving him around a bit, yep. you know, flood concepts to one side of the field because they had a new offensive coordinator, offensive coach come in to install some of that. What do we expect the Jets to run under Mike LaFleur? That outside zone, play action, boot action, right out of that LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay tree. And so if you're the New York Jets, if you're Joe Douglas, you're seeing this quarterback that has that athleticism, that has that arm talent, and you see him take that big step forward from sophomore to junior year in that kind of system, you're thinking, that's going to work with us, right? We can get him into the same type of system now with NFL talent around him, and he can continue this upward growth trend that we've seen from him over the past two seasons. And so I think the scheme fit is a big component to this. But, of course, there is the arm talent. There is the athleticism. These guys at the top of the board, Lawrence, who just went at one, Wilson, we expected to, Fields, and Lance, they all have what we would call plus arms. They can all make all of the throws with velocity to all levels of, levels of the field. But the other thing that I love about Zach Wilson is the arm aggression. Jordan Reed, a former quarterback himself at the Division One level, calls it arm aggression, where there isn't a throw on the field he's afraid to make. If you want an example of that, Watch his game against Texas State because he has a play where it's four verticals. He rolls to his right and somehow sees along the opposite sideline, deep downfield near the goal line, a vertical route open between the corner and the safety. Not only does he see it, Pete, he throws it, and he throws it for a touchdown. Not a lot of quarterbacks are willing to make that kind of throw under those circumstances, but there isn't a throw on the planet that Zach Wilson is, is afraid of. And I love that about a quarterback. You can't play this position scared. You can't play it afraid. You have to be aggressive. And he certainly checks that arm aggression box. And that confidence is going to be useful in probably what isn't talked about as much with this pick is be playing in New York. I mean, you're going to have to win in New York. The questions are yeah. asked, and you're, you're talking about Joe Douglas, who was a guy who stayed uh, now that Gase is no longer the head coach, that Gase excuse is out of the mix now. And you made a bold move here by moving yep. on from Sam Darnold and, and taking a chance here. This is your first pick. This is your signature pick. You got Robert Sala in there as your head coach. A huge point to me in this scenario where they are going to bring in Wilson was Douglas's comments that essentially said the New York Jets 
they saw an opportunity to improve their situation financially. And if they were further back in the draft, maybe they don't trade Sam Darnold. Maybe they see if they can rebuild him now that the Gase era is over. Uh, where do you fall on that when comparing what Darnold has done? And again, it hasn't been the best situation. And Wilson, would you have made the same move that Douglas had? Well, I can understand why Douglas made that move because the most important asset you can have as a team right now in the NFL and today's NFL is that rookie cost controlled quarterback. It is the most important piece you can have to sort of turn your team around. You saw it in Kansas city that, you know, where we were, where you saw we it are, in yeah. city. you saw it, you know, Seattle, they were obviously the team that started this, right? They draft Russell Wilson, they get him later in the draft, but you can build the rest of the roster out. And so when you talk about the financial implications of the rookie quarterback, you know, right. New York was facing, they were going to have to make a decision on Sam Donald and that fifth year option that you start thinking about that second contract, or you can reset the quarterback clock now with four cost controlled years of Zach Wilson. That's, that's enticing as it is. And then when you start thinking about Zach Wilson, the prospect, what he can do from an athletic standpoint, what he offers from that arm arm aggression and that scheme fit standpoint, there's more than just the economics of it that makes this a great pick and a good decision for Joe Douglas. But that is a big part of it, the ability to reset the quarterback clock, start spending money around the quarterback position and building around your new quarterback. And I do believe the pick is in. Right. The pick is in now and not to spoil it for those who are streaming like I am, but Zach Wilson is officially a New York jet. Uh, there is a new era in New York and like, much luck to, to Wilson and being able to have some success here. It's going to be a vast difference uh, going from BYU to playing in Florham Park at that facility and, and playing in front of New York, which has demanded a lot from their football team for a long time and really a starving fan base in a sense. That's going to be a lot of pressure, but uh, based upon everything that you just described, I, I think he is a fit for handling that and having some success in that level. And I think it, it really will help. And I understand it's a defensive head coach, uh, but it really will help, I think, with the culture change that should be happening in New York. Yeah, and I, I think that sort of culture change is a big part of this, Pete, because you think about playing in New York City, you think about being an athlete in the Big Apple. It was a fascinating – I saw Michael Strahan on with Kyle Brandt recently talking about yeah. what it's like to play in New York and what winning in front of that New York fan base means. It's a, it's a tough market that will chew people out, and I do think that you know you look at Zach Wilson, you see some of that sort of cocksure, that cockiness to him. That's that's a plus in New York. That's going to serve him well. And so I do think that from the culture fit, the scheme fit, what he offers as a prospect, there are a lot of reasons to really be excited about this pick if you're a New York Jets fan. But of course, now look, the draft truly begins now. You know, because you right. San Francisco on the clock, and this is the moment that I think everybody is sort of in pointing to, right? Is it indeed Mac Jones? Is it something different? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Trey Lance? I think now is when things really sort of kick off. That's right. We've known how the one and the two would go felt like for months where, you know, you saw all these moves too, uh, where you, you knew Lawrence was always going to Jacksonville with Meyer going there. You knew Wilson was going to the New York Jets, especially when they didn't make the trade of uh, Sam Darnold. And so now you have the San Francisco 49ers and the 49ers entered to 2020 as the reigning NFC champions. They failed to improve on their 13 and three season uh, going just six and 10, but it was a year full of injuries with Jimmy G getting injured. You had George Kittle getting injured. Nick Bosa tore his ACL. They had 18 players on injured reserve, which was a, a league high. 
And then the 49ers rocked the NFL world when they decided to trade up from the 12th overall pick to the third overall in a deal with the Miami Dolphins in March. At the time, Miami received the 12th overall selection, a third round pick, a first round picks in 2022 and 2023. So it's just a weird scenario for me with the San Francisco 49ers because if you believe the Schragers and the Schefters and both networks and anyone who really covers the league, they have been putting out that even as of maybe yesterday, 24 hours, 48 hours, they weren't sure exactly who they would take. Are you buying that? Because I don't know if you make this move unless you know for sure, okay, Lawrence is going to be gone. Wilson is going to be gone. We like player X and it's this player. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you make this move. If you like a quarterback, you know, is going to be there. And I, I think the interest is, you know, they made this move. And they said that, look, we like the options that were going to be available. And then they started to take a second look at Lance, started to take a second look at Fields. Both of them had second pro days. Um, so I, I think they knew that, look, Wilson will be at two, Lawrence will be at one. We like, whether it's Mac Jones or, or, or it was Trey Lance at the time, we like these guys enough that we'll be happy to get them at three. And now we get to finalize the decision. And I do understand why so many people connected the dots with Mac Jones and Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. You look at what he's done, you look at quarterbacks that, that Kyle Shanahan has liked in the past, and you can see a lot of those quarterbacks in Mac Jones. I feel like I'm getting subtweeted by Phil Sims, who has just tweeted, can Zach Wilson handle the pressure in New York? It's so overrated. Just go out there and perform. Well, he would know. He performed well. Uh, for the he New York Giants in uh, in New York, of course. But it wasn't, conti- always, it wasn't always smooth sailing for Phil. And I think, you know, that's what he's kind of alluding to, too. I mean, right. you do have to win, but if you don't, you're going to hear it. And Zach Wilson's going to be in that, sh- in that boat now where he's going to have to win. And if not, he's going to hear it because there's a chance, perhaps a bigger than 50% chance that whether it's Jones, whether it's Lance, whether it's Fields, one of these guys is going to have a really good career, too. And then if your struggle in that New York market is going to point to whether it's, say, you know, Lance and San Francisco or Fields and, you know, New England or whatever, and say, that's what we could have had. Right. And I, I, I just know how New York can operate. And so it is very intriguing. Want to get back to the 49ers, though, here and ask you about uh, Aaron Rodgers again and this tweet that the 49ers apparently, and there are mixed reports on this, so be careful here, but Bill Michaels reported the Packers uh, were offered uh, the third overall pick in this year's draft, other picks, and a number of players from their current roster, including Jimmy G for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Packers ended up turning them down. It seems like he might be headed to the Denver Broncos. Again, we will see on Aaron Rodgers. But is it a little confusing to you that, okay, you do make this deal, you have prospects that you like here, and yet, again, 24 hours, maybe floating, maybe giving a call to the Green Bay Packers and seeing how available Aaron Rodgers is? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you have an opportunity, certainly at three here, to draft a quarterback that you traded up to get. Right. But if there's an opportunity to acquire Aaron Rodgers, I think you do the due diligence and you'd be doing your organization a disservice if you didn't at least explore that opportunity. Because if you could somehow acquire Aaron Rodgers at this point and you have to give up this third pick, well, 
that getting up to three was kind of worthwhile to do it because now you have Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he's 37, but he's also coming off of, it, of an M- MVP season, two straight runs to the NFC Championship game. He can still certainly play at a high level. And you look at what you could put around him if you're the San Francisco 49ers, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Brandon Ayuk. You could still have a very nice offensive system around him, nice offensive line in front of him. You could certainly win games with Aaron Rodgers. And so, yes, you've traded the three, but the opportunity to acquire Aaron Rodgers is certainly something worth exploring. Yeah, I, I sense that maybe San Francisco is just checking off the boxes, crossing their T's, dotting their I's. I think when you think about wanting Rodgers at this age, and I understand his career, and I understand what he can do, and I understand his playmaking ability and working out of structure, but I think Tom Brady with his move and winning the Super Bowl at the age of 43 has sort of broken the NFL in a sense, both from a player standpoint and how teams think about things. Whereas, okay, yeah, you're getting Aaron Rodgers potentially at 37, but now with what Tom Brady has been able to accomplish can we do the same with Rodgers? Can we make him an effective quarterback into his 40s? Because then you're talking about five years. And if you have to draft his replacement along the way and say Rodgers is locked up and he's performing at a high enough level, that that Brady cap- capability of a level, then maybe you can get a quarterback that could be an even better fit down the line. So it does, I think, and I, I that's where I agree with you. It is Aaron Rodgers. And with Brady sort of breaking that mold, they were just – Let's just see. Let's just see if if Green Bay will bite here. We all know it's a copycat league, right? And if something works for one organization, whether it's a a scheme, whether it's a roster construction standpoint, teams are going to try to emulate that. And so I'm sure teams sort of looked at Tom Brady and said, well, look, if it could work there, maybe we could make it work with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we could make it work with another veteran type of quarterback. And so while, yes, that rookie cross-control quarterback is a very attractive bit of roster construction, so is Aaron Rodgers. So are quarterbacks like Tom Brady. And so I can understand why, you know, San Francisco would say, hey, maybe we could do that too. All right, Mark, uh, the pick is in here. And as of right now, the 49ers, I think, I would say that they've shocked the world. As you'll see below on our screen, they select Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. How are you feeling about this pick? I think it's a great pick. Um, I, I think it's a very good pick. What's interesting about Trey Lance, when I watched him last summer, um, his one year as a full starter at the yeah. FCS level at North Dakota State. You know, I said, look, you know, th- there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of things that he does extremely well. I think there are a couple of offenses that he could run as a rookie, and Kyle Shanahan's offense is one of them. And now he's going to get a chance to potentially do that because when you watch North Dakota State's offense, and if you want, you can watch his games, or even better, you can go on coachtube.com, and for $49.99, you can get a video of their offensive coordinator breaking down their passing game. And it's titled involving the tight ends and the fullbacks in the passing game. And he's breaking down Trey Lance film. And if you close your eyes and just listen to it, as, as he's saying, look, if the fullbacks open, hit it, or the tight ends open, hit them on the crosser. That's Kyle Shanahan. That's George Kittle. That's Kyle Juszczyk out of the backfield. And so this is a pick for a quarterback that yes, can run their offense, but it's the extra stuff, Pete. It's the guy that can also transcend their offense the athleticism he will bring to the table he's going to have to learn to get down to slide it was great that he could run people over against Youngstown State on a Saturday you're not going to do that against Vaughn Miller on a Sunday you're going to have to learn to slide and protect yourself a little bit but this is that type of athletic quarterback that can transcend Kyle Shanahan's system and what this does tell us is that a lot of us were saying the name of the game in the NFL right now is athleticism at the quarterback position. That's what Trey Lance has. The arm talent is there, yes. 
The scheme fit is a good component too, but he has that athleticism. Are there concerns about him? Absolutely. Look, he's got one year and one game at the FCS level. His completion percentage is his ball placement in the short and intermediate areas of the field. It was a bit behind guys like Fields, guys like Jones, guys like Wilson and Lawrence. But he's working on those mechanics. He's doing great work with Quincy Avery. You see him at his two pro days. The arm slot was a lot more consistent. The ball placement was better. And so I expect that work to continue. He's not a perfect prospect, but he is that type of player that can transcend Kyle Shanahan's system. So I'm very excited about this pick. I'm very excited about the fit. I think it's almost ideal. Yeah, you mentioned that the one game, though, at that FCS level. This is one of the boldest moves for me, I think, in that sense, in NFL history. I mean, you are taking a gigantic risk, and you are putting a lot of your money and your mouth on the line and saying, okay, we're going to trade up. We're going to go in a different direction. You make that very, very weird comment about whether or not Jimmy G will be alive on Sunday. And you say, we're going to go get get Trey Lance or showing the 49ers draft room and a lot of high-fiving going on right now. Uh, not even the fist bump here in a COVID world, which tells you how fired up they are uh, for this. Very pick. excited. Don't you feel like, okay, uh, we have to get this right. And, you know, they could have been calm and said, we're not in a position to draft a quarterback, but let's be aggressive here and let's go uh, get the guy we like. And if this ends up not working, if a Mac Jones ends up being a better quarterback. If a Justin Fields has a Lamar Jackson style second type of season, I mean, they're going to be looking at the 49ers saying, what did, what did you do here? What, why did you trade all this capital to take the wrong guy? Right. But I, I think what's interesting, Pete, and you know, over your two shoulders, you've got Patrick Mahomes cereal boxes, right? You've got Patrick yeah. Mahomes books. You think about, you know, a, a night, not unlike this a couple of years ago when the Kansas city chiefs made an aggressive move, not great, quite yeah, as aggressive as this, but they identified the player they thought could run their offense and transcend their offense. Because, you know, a lot of people said about, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have to sit, he's going to have to learn, he's going to have to change what he does. But if you've identified the guy, and you have a plan for him, then go be aggressive. And I think this is a window into their thinking. They have identified in Trey Lance the traits they think will excel in their offense at the NFL level, and they're just going to go get them. And I, I like what a team has that sort of plan, and it seems like they're putting it together. And I do think the fit makes a lot of sense. I think the athleticism is ideal. Now, you know, all those Kyle Shanahan boots and waggles and all that stuff, now you don't have Matt Ryan running it. You've got Trey Lance running it. And you could see a scenario where that athleticism allows him to sort of get into the field, get into this offense early, and perhaps play sooner than a lot of people expect. Let's go to the editor of Niners Nation, Kyle Posey. Kyle, Trey Lance is a San Francisco 49er. How are you feeling? Looks like <laughs> we I just saw a tweet come across. People are getting lit tonight in San Fran. How are you feeling about this selection? This is beautiful. So I wanted Justin Fields, but I am well aware that Trey Lance is going to be special. Like he is going to be a special player. People think that he needs to sit. I don't know what Mark thinks, but to me, he is the most pro-ready quarterback of the guys that are being discussed, especially for Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I'm excited because think about it. The more he plays, the better he's going to get. He doesn't need to sit. Think about like the, the issues that he has. Those will be worked out with the timing. Like the more he throws, he's going to understand the speed of the game. He has a cannon for an arm. He is a large human being. He told us the other day when we interviewed him that he runs a four-five-one laser, like consistently. So um, Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to add another element to his offense, and it's going to be really fun to see. Man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped. 
The Falcons pick is in, so we'll get to them in just one second. But do you agree, Mark? Do you feel like Trey Lance could start right away? Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, when I was watching him last summer, I said there were some offenses that Trey Lance could run as a rookie, and Kyle Shanahan's was one. You look at that North Dakota State offense, there's almost a a one-to-one symmetry between what they want to do conceptually and what Kyle Shanahan does. Now, they could look, they could take their time, they can bring them along, but if they feel he's ready week one, that wouldn't surprise me at all. He's a very smart quarterback, the athleticism to transcend that system, but I do think the scheme fit is something that he can run right out of the gate. Kyle, so if Lance is the starter, how does Jimmy G, where does Jimmy G end up going in your opinion? So the good news is he's gone and that's all that matters. Mark, <laughs> you might be covering old Jimmy again. Yeah. So everybody's, everybody's tying to the Patriots, but it's going to be probably a quarterback, whoever doesn't get one of these guys. So it could be the Patriots. It could be uh, the Bears. It could be Washington. So there are a few options. I don't think that Jimmy is going to get the compensation that people think he is. Like we were talking about the second and maybe a third. But he's just missed so much time that I don't I don't see it, man. I think they'd be really lucky to get that type of pick. So um, I think Jimmy's out of there, and I think they're going to roll with Trey as a starter uh, early on here. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you for your rapid insight. We have the Atlanta Falcons, and their pick is in. Uh, with that, we would like to welcome in David Walker, the editor at the Falcoholic. Uh, David, how are you tonight? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well. How are you feeling now that the pick is in? We're about to find out momentarily who the Atlanta Falcons select. I am a Falcons fan, so I'm fully expecting to be disappointed in the final seconds. <laughs> well, here we go. The pick is in. The Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts out of Florida. A lot of people considered Pitts the best athlete in the NFL draft. You said you might be disappointed. How are you feeling about the Pitts pick? Uh, I'll be honest, I, I felt like it was going to come down to Pitts or one of the quarterbacks, whether it was Lance, which we just saw go off the board, or Justin Fields. Uh, and it, it's tough. You know, you can make an argument that Matt Ryan arguably has four years uh, of quality play left. He's 36 this year. Uh, if you look at quarterbacks that have come before him, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they played into their early 40s at a high level. Uh, and that that's the full length of a contract for a rookie. Uh, so if you're bringing in someone – I think this move makes some sense. Uh, It does sort of signal that you are going in on Matt Ryan for the next uh, several years, at least, uh, possibly bringing in the uh, developmental quarterback. But Kyle Pitts is a freak. Um, This is arguably a generational uh, talent at tight end. Uh, You you see comps of this guy closer to wide receivers than you do any existing tight ends in the league. Uh, He's a guy that once you put him on the field in the same way that Julio Jones caused nightmares for defensive coordinators, I think this guy's going to do the same kind of thing. Yeah, I think tight end has changed rapidly over the years as well, where there are only a few elite tight ends. Travis Kelsey is one of them. Darren Waller is another. George Kittle in San Francisco, who we just talked about, the San Francisco 49ers. And Kyle Pitts, we don't know if he's going to be Kelsey. I think that's a tall order, a Kelsey or a Kittle. But from what all the scouts are saying, and we talked about how he's the number one athlete, I mean, he has the ceiling for that, and that's got to be really exciting as an Atlanta Falcons fan. Absolutely. And when you pair him with Arthur Smith, who ran uh, two tight end sets in Tennessee more than any offensive coordinator in uh, 2020, uh, this is the kind of move that makes a ton of sense for what he wants to do. You pair him up this year with uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, you get a good running back in the backfield, and you've got an offense that can hit the field and in 2021, you know, cause some damage. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of question marks on defense for the Falcons, and they still have. Uh, eight more draft picks with which to try to address some of that. Um, But certainly if you're looking at uh, leaning into your strengths, uh, putting Calvin Ridley, 
Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts uh, on the same field with Matt Ryan and a good offense coordinator, you can do a lot of damage. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Mark, I want to go to the quarterback part of this. We just talked about Matt Ryan with taking pits. This is sort of a double down on Matt Ryan. Do you feel like that's the right move to go in that direction? Pass on these other two quarterbacks, go get the most athletic player in this year's NFL draft. I do think so. I think a lot of what David just said about Arthur Smith's offense makes the Kyle Pitts selection a brilliant one because you look at the 12 personnel stuff that they do. You look at the ability now you can turn 12 personnel into almost 11 personnel on the fly because Pitts and his athleticism, the ability to run the 4-4-6 at his size and frame. Suddenly, if you get a defense that's going to play base against that because they're worried about you running the football, now you flex him out wide. You've got either a safety or a linebacker trying to cover him. It's that sort of matchup nightmare. Or if a defense says, look, we'll play small, we'll go nickel, we'll go dime, you can bring him in, you can run the football down their throats. It's sort of a you know damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Uh, with respect to the quarterback position, you know, they've with the restructure of Matt Ryan, they're in a situation where they're probably tied to him for the next season or two. And so they were going to draft somebody if they did, whether it was Fields or, or Jones, you're probably going to have to still roll with Matt Ryan for the next two seasons. So Adam, nice offensive weapon, that matchup component, that matchup nightmare type player in Kyle Pitts, and you make another run in the next year or two. And then you readdress the quarterback situation two years from now or a year from now. Uh, I really like this pick. I like this fit. I think it makes a ton of sense. It makes this – if you start thinking 12 personnel, right, and if they do keep Julio Jones, Jones and Ridley, Hayden Hurst at one tight end, Kyle Pitts at the other, maybe you get Todd Gurley, get him running, or maybe at the top of the second round of Javante Williams who looks more like that Derrick Henry kind of back. Suddenly this Atlanta offense, and I see David starting to smile there, looks a little bit – kind of similar to what they had in, with Arthur Smith in Tennessee last year. And so I think the fit makes a ton of sense for Atlanta. Yeah. And Atlanta last year was in games with Dallas, Chicago, the lions of the chargers, both super bowl teams. They had leads against. And I, I just think that giving Matt Ryan another opportunity I, I, at some point, it wasn't the necessarily the, the offenses uh, standpoint. And, and so you, now you're loading up the offense. You're going to be in shootouts with every, and you try to improve the defense here. David, I just get the feeling Kyle Pitts is going to be a very, very popular player in Atlanta. Don't you expect to see a lot of Pitts jerseys? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is Julio Jones is in his early 30s, and his time in Atlanta is probably coming to a close pretty soon. Right. Getting another elite athlete like this on the field that could be wearing the black and red for another 10 years. Uh, and, you know, if you do address the quarterback position in two or three years from now, uh, bringing in the rookie quarterback with this kind of talent at tight end waiting for him, that is a great way to bring a quarterback into the league. All right. Well, that is David Walker of the Falcoholic. David, thank you for joining us on this SB Nation live draft. Look along. We appreciate Thanks, your time, man. And on we go to the Cincinnati Bengals who are on the clock. The head coach, Zach Taylor, de facto GM, Duke Tobin. Um, we... Uh, watched them in 2020. They took Joe Burrow first overall, who really looked the part of a franchise quarterback. 
Uh, they improved from two and fourteen to four eleven and one. I, you never want that tie as no. much as unless as you're improving there. You never. But the week the the Bengals season officially ended in week eleven when Burrow yeah. suffered a torn ACL and MCL. That could probably play a factor in where the Bengals go here. I know that yep. Burrow has been trying to push reportedly for his old running mate in Jamar Chase, but I, I really think that they go protection here. Do you agree? I do, Pete. I mean, I, I think, yes, they added, you know, Riley Reef. They have Jonah Williams, so you have two tackles. Okay. But I think you look at how your season played out last year, you don't want to sort of – you know, D- David Carr situation where you can't protect your quarterback and you end up sort of failing to develop him because you couldn't protect him. And even before Burrow got hurt, this was an offense that had to go five wide and go empty and go quick game because there was no way they could keep a solid pocket in front of Joe Burrow. And so even if he stayed healthy, I think they still had to address offensive line with this pick. And you have the two best offensive line prospects in this draft staring you in the face. You have Patty Sewell from Oregon. You have Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Both right. young, athletic, finishing type of players that I think could be fantastic players in the National Football League. Are they tackles? Sure. But you could kick them inside if you want. If you really like Jonah Williams at left tackle and Riley Reef at the at the right tackle spot, you can kick one of those guys inside at guard. And then if it pans out and you've got your best five, great. If you have to move one of those guys and put your new rookie at tackle, whatever you have to do, you have to get your best five in front of Joe Burrow. I understand the excitement about, oh, Jamar Chase, pairing him back with Joe Burrow. I get that. But Joe Burrow has to have time to throw. If he's got Jamar Chase to throw to, but he's on his back, he can't throw to him. You've right. got to protect him. You, I think they have to go offensive line here. And you saw the the knee of Burrow when they released that yeah. uniform pictures where you have that gigantic scar. Like That is the worst case scenario for yeah. your quarterback. So I tend to agree. Do you have a preference over these two offensive tackles, one you like more maybe for some reason or I, another? I, I mean, I, I think they're really 1A and 1B, and I know that's sort of a cowardly way to put it. I, I think sure. Suell from his athleticism, the athletic profile, I think he would get the nod. Um, but what's enticing about Slater is he's shown you that he can block NFL edge defenders. Just turn on his his Big Ten championship game from two years ago against Chase Young. That's all you need to see. Like he can if he can handle Chase Young, who is dominant at Ohio State, he can do it at the next level. He can also, you know, I know we always look at a great offensive tackle prospect and say, oh well, that's awesome. Let's kick him inside the guard. I think these are two guys that can both play tackle. And if look again, if you like Williams, if you like Riley Reef, like you can stick them on the outside, move one of these guys inside. But I think both are great prospects. And if I'm Zach Taylor, I want to protect Joe Burrow. Both of these guys will help you do that. Jamar Chase, look, he's my wide receiver. He, you know, he's my wide receiver one for whatever that's worth. I think he's a, a great wide receiver prospect. He's a fantastic talent, perhaps the best X type receiver with his ability to use his play straight to beat press coverage. I think he'll be a great pro, but you've got to protect Joe Burrow first. And I think Suell Slater gets you closer to that goal. Mark, I know we got to get you out of here, but the pick is in. And the <laughs> Bengals did not listen to us at all. They go. That's tremendous. And get uh, Burrow's old running mate in Jamar Chase opted out of the 2020 season. Uh, but the last year was with Burrow in 2019. He had no joke here. 1,700 yards, more than 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. So now you have this combination back together at the NFL net, and, uh, level. I know you got to get out of here, but what's your no, quick reaction we to that? About this because 
you love him from a profile standpoint, from a production standpoint, because on an offense with, you know, it wasn't just Jamar Chase. You had Justin Jefferson. You had Thaddeus Moss. You had Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You had Terrace Marshall Jr., who's, who might even get picked tonight. He still put up those numbers at the age of 19. No, that's extremely impressive and hard to ignore from a breakout standpoint, from a player profile standpoint. So I certainly understand the attraction. I understand the allure. It's not one that I would have made. I just made you the case why I would have gone with tackle, whether it's Suell or Rashawn Slater, because you have to protect Joe Burrow. But if you're going to go receiver, this is the guy to go get. You know, what's what's funny, and we made fun of my cereal box. I guess it's on, on this side now. Burrow just got to pull up some Patrick Mahomes tape. All Mahomes was doing last year, especially toward the end of the season, was running directly backwards and shucking it up to Tyreek Hill. Now you have that combination where you got to avoid some of this pressure, but you have your guy. I mean, this this was a guy that Burrow did want, and he probably told the franchise. We've seen personnel staffs going against the quarterback's wishes, and it seems like they really did take it into account here. You look at now Cincinnati, you've got T. Higgins, who they drafted last year, who's a very nice X-type receiver, bigger type guy. You've got Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, Joe Mixon in the backfield. They probably need to address tight end at some point. I don't know if Drew Sample is really going to get it done for you. But this is certainly an offense that has some weapons. Mm. And look, if they truly believe that Riley Reef and Jordan Williams can handle the tackle spots, then okay, like I could see this working. And so if they were going to go receiver, Jamar Chase is the guy to go get um, because of the production, the talent, the ability to consistently beat press, the play strength, like he does so many different things you want to see at the receiver position. And there's that familiarity, which does matter. When it's third and seven and you need to make a throw if you're Joe Burrow, you've got a guy that you know will be there for you. So I do think that this is a good pick for them. It's not the one that I would have made, but it can work. It can certainly work. That's Mark Schofield of Touchdown Wire. This was tremendous, tremendous insight here as we're watching the NFL draft. We appreciate your time. Um, where can people find some of the work that you do? Well, Pete, thanks you, thanks so much to you, to Mr. Kiss behind the glass, my boy. Keep yeah. it down behind the glass there. <laughs> doing, uh, doing a good job, right? Doing a fantastic job. You, you can find me on the uh, the Stakeham app at Mark Schofield, the bird app, whatever you want to call it. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, USA Today's Touchdown Wire. I'll be on the Pat's Pulpit Live show next. Do some work over there. Um, I'll be on with football guys later, but on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Pete, keep crushing it, man. You're doing a fantastic job, buddy. Thank you, Mark. And we say goodbye to Mark there. So now we have the Miami Dolphins on the clock. Uh, head coach Brian Flores, of course, the GM Chris Greer, who's really been doing a really nice job down there in Miami, reviewing the 2020 season for the Miami Dolphins. They improved on their 5-11 and 11 record to get to 10-6 and six in 2020, though they did not qualify for the playoffs. Always frustrating when you get to 10-6 and six in the NFL and you don't get to the playoffs. You don't have to worry about that anymore because there's now 17 games so you have an extra game to work with so she won't be going to 10 and 6 and not making the postseason kind of a weird year for miami because they they go and they have tua and they have ryan fitzpatrick who starts the year as the quarterback goes three and three they get to the bye week they switch to tua there was that emotional press conference where fitzpatrick was sad we in kansas city we love ryan fitzpatrick and he, what he was able to do that last and final season Dolphins needs, as you see uh, below, wide receiver, edge, running back, linebacker, wide receiver, uh, in safety. Uh, we talked about how the Dolphins traded down earlier, uh, but they immediately traded back up in a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia traded the number six pick 
uh, in the draft, along with the fifth round pick to the Miami Dolphins for the number 12 pick, a fourth round pick, and a 2022 uh, first round pick. Uh, they recently upgraded their seventh round pick in a deal that sent Eric Flowers uh, back to the Washington football team uh, after just a season. He signed a three-year deal with the Dolphins, and he just played a season at left guard uh, for the Miami Dolphins and then was traded again back to Washington for just a swap of those seventh rounders. So uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins will be picking a a little bit higher in what will be uh, the seventh uh, round uh, of the NFL draft that'll be on day three. So we know that it seems like there's somebody that the Dolphins want here, probably a few names considering the fact that Pitts could be off the board. Uh, Chase could be off the board. Uh, Devonta Smith, the Heisman winner from Alabama is an option. I know a lot of people have uh, been questioning as to whether or not he has enough weight to uh, sustain at the NFL level came in at 170. Some people have said, uh, that he could be as low as 166 pounds. And I, I know that being in the NFL, I mean, you, you can get rocked on these Sundays. So, uh, you wonder what direction they go. And I know slot wide receiver is a need running backs a need, but this is way too early to take a running back. They have needs all across the offensive line. And we had uh, mentioned uh, how the Bengals, they decided to um, not go with an offensive lineman altogether and instead uh, go and get some more offensive firepower, leaving uh, the Bengals having to figure out what they're going to do uh, really in protection for Joe Burrow on day two, which can get a little bit dicey. I think it's really hard to find starting offensive linemen uh, on day two of the NFL draft. Uh, but here we go. The pick is in. Uh, the Dolphins have selected uh, Jalen Waddell, a wide receiver out of Alabama. And so uh, there you go. There was obviously a receiver they wanted, and there were two receivers that could go uh, out of Alabama, and it was either Smith or Waddell, and they ended up going with Waddell. And I mean, I had mentioned my concerns with uh, Devonta Smith. You wonder if. Uh, that played a role in them going with Waddle. Waddle is a really uh, impressive prospect who should uh, make an impact on that offense on probably what will be day one for uh, the Miami Dolphins. And you're, what you're doing right now, I think, too, is you're starting to get some weapons uh, around, too. I had mentioned that they really could use a, a slot wide receiver who could potentially play a role there. Uh, they have a lot of pieces down there. I know that one of the moves that they did uh, in the offseason um, was go get uh, some receiving help in, in Will Fuller. So, again, just you're trying to put uh, Tua in a scenario where I think he could succeed and Waddle will uh, be a player that uh, I think will help him to do so, give him more confidence uh, down in Miami. So there you go. As we start to fill out our NFL draft here on the SB Nation live show, we have Jacksonville going with quarterback Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. The New York Jets select Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. Uh, Trey Lance goes to the San Francisco 49ers uh, out of North Dakota State. Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Jamar Chase, uh, the wide receiver out of LSU, get reunites with Joe Burrow. And, of course, now Miami goes Jalen Waddell, uh, and so some more help for Tua in that offense. We're going to switch now uh, to the Detroit Lions uh, who are on the clock. Oh, and I just am seeing that their pick uh, is in. And so in 2020, uh, it was the third and final season of the Matt Patricia experiment. The Lions finished 5-11 and in what was a very disappointing season. 
So in comes Dan Campbell. Yep, Dan Campbell comes in after five years as a tight end assistant head coach with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Lions made a significant change really in the direction of their entire franchise this offseason when they made a blockbuster trade. The Lions sent Los Angeles Rams Matt Stafford uh, for a third-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022, a first-round pick in 2023, and quarterback Jared Goff. And so I think that with this being the first year without Matt Stafford since 2009, your quarterback is likely to be uh, Jared Goff. And I, I think what you need uh, to do is surround him in a situation where he has protection. As you see, we put up the needs uh, on the board here. They could use a wide receiver. They could also use a cornerback. They could also use an offensive tackle. We've been wondering if the entire first round would play out without an, a defensive player being selected. So, so far, we have now been through six picks of the NFL draft, and we have yet to see defense. Uh, you wonder if the Detroit Lions break the mold here. I would tend to think that they go and select one of these tackles. Like I said, I, I think you want to put uh, Goff in the best position possible. But again, you're also talking about a team that ended up losing Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay uh, to free agency. Kenny Galladay, of course, signed with the New York Giants. So if you're going again to have a new quarterback in Jared Goff and he's going to be able to have some success, uh, I think what you need to do is protect him, get him in a good situation. And we saw in Los Angeles with Jared Goff in games where you were able to get him off kilter a little bit. He was really not successful. He's not a player that is necessarily going to be able to work and uh, perform out of structure, even like some of these quarterbacks that went early in the NFL draft and the stars of the league. And we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers all day. Uh, we've been talking about Patrick Mahomes is always the the guy that gets mentioned, uh, a Lamar Jackson, where they're able to really perform out of structure. Jared Goff, in a sense, I think in Los Angeles, proved that that really isn't his game. And so I think you really got to get him uh, some protection. And so uh, Dan Campbell uh, will go and um, Dan Campbell will go and um, and make his first section here as uh, a head coach. And we have Josh now joining us. Josh House, how how are you today? I, oh, you uh, the Miami here from the uh, the Finsider. Excuse me. Uh, yep. How did you feel? How did you feel about the selection? Yeah, I mean, I kind of understand it. I mean, the Dolphins need a playmaker. Everyone, you know, continues to say how dynamic of a playmaker that Jalen Waddle is. He fits that slot receiver mold that they need. So I understand it. Get to his friends and get to a weapon. So I'm fully supportive of it. Now, Josh, you're, you're saying you understand it. I, I sense that there could potentially be a, a hair of disappointment. Is there someone else that you would have preferred uh, with Miami for that number six pick? Yeah, and maybe this just dates back to, you know, I'm trying not to go with recency bias, but I kind of prefer Devontae Smith a little bit. I mean, you know, they're pretty much, you know, it's a toss. If you can flip a coin, I mean, either of these guys can come in there and be the type of playmaker that the Dolphins need. But part of me was just leaning towards Devontae Smith. I thought maybe that would be the pick, but fully understand Jalen Waddle. And again, I understand how he fits in the system. What's your belief level in Tua? I kind of described that before you were able to join us here uh, as far as, you know, last year was a little bit weird where Fitzpatrick starts the year as that 500 record. They make the change. And then I, I was joking a lot on Monday Football Monday and the SBA Nation NFL show. This was the first time it really felt like there was a closing quarterback in the NFL. What's the belief level that you have in Tua and really the Finsider readers and the fan base as a whole? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the, uh, you know, the fan base. I think they're fully supportive of Tua. You know, some of the comments on the website, you know, they kind of been down on Tua before even the draft process. So still a lot of them are hesitant. They want to see more of him. And who can blame them? I mean, it was that unprecedented offseason. You know, he was rehabbing. We know all the issues he was dealing with, but he went out there and, you know, expectations were higher than what he, you know, performed as. So I think we're going to see more of the Tua Tungvalu that a lot of Dolphin fans fell in love with because, again, he's going to have that full offseason. You know, you keep seeing pictures of him. He's looking jacked. So um, my confidence is 100% Tua Tungvalu, and I think the fan base feels that way as well. How have you felt so far in the in the Flores regime? I, I, I'd imagine this has been a nice change of pace down in, in Miami. Yeah, I mean, it has definitely been a nice change of pace, but, you know, a lot of people continue to say, you know, it felt pretty good with Adam Gase at first. You know, you made the playoffs, you had a little bit of hope there and everything kind of crumbled, but you're right, it just feels different in Miami. You know, they're kind of going that New England way and what better franchise to build around. And again, I think they have the right coach in place. So I like it. And again, you know, you just want to see more out of them. We got to see the playoffs at some point. Am I right? That's right. Uh, the Lions uh, pick is in, so we're going to say goodbye to uh, Josh Houts. What can people look, look forward to on the Finsider before we let you go? We're going to be just breaking down all the picks, doing roundtables. Check us out on the podcast, Finsider Radio, and check me out on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. All right. Well, thank you very much. Getting back to the draft, as you can see, the Lions take the best tackle off the board and Penny Suel. Uh, this is a guy that I think a lot of people were looking at and probably predicted that would go earlier. And so the lions have got in a situation where uh, they likely felt really good taking uh, this pick. And, and again, I, I had kind of been talking about it where uh, golf is the quarterback where I think if he's going to have success, he can't really necessarily be pressured and you're, going to have this offense now uh, where you're getting the best tackle, a day one tackle that a lot of people feel uh, will perform uh, well at the NFL level. So congratulations to the Lions on getting their man. Uh, Now we head to pick number eight uh, and the Panthers uh, are on the clock. Um, Matt Rule, of course, the uh, head coach there. And uh, reviewing the 2020 season for these Carolina Panthers, uh, this was the first season of the post-Cam Newton era. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater did not seem uh, to be the answer down there. Christian McCaffrey, one of the best weapons in the NFL, dealt with injuries all year. And this was a pretty good team. I mean, I watched them in that Kansas City game, and they played the Chiefs really tough. As you can see on the screen we have here, the needs for these Panthers are tackle, cornerback, uh, tight end. They could use a quarterback, even though they didn't make that trade uh, for Sam Darnold. And then uh, linebacker. Uh, The Panthers, again, they traded for Sam Darnold by sending a sixth rounder in this year's draft and a second rounder and fourth rounder in 2022 uh, to the New York Jets. And then this week, they ended up sending Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos, who are actually picking next. So some intrigue there as well, considering that the Panthers uh, and the um, Broncos are picking back-to-back in this NFL draft, and they are uh, making um, a week of trade. And we did see, of course, all the rumors uh, that were connected um, with the Broncos and potentially uh, trading for uh, what would be Aaron Rodgers. So they're continuing to try to bolster their their quarterback room. Uh, there are some quarterbacks left here. You could see uh, the Panthers, if if they 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 have their man, Mac Jones is available. Justin Fields is available. What has been interesting here is Scott Fitterer, the GM, would not necessarily commit to whether or not this team would exercise Sam Darnold's fifth-year option. So even though they go and trade for Darnold, and Matt Rule has said all the right things when it comes to Darnold, 
there's always the possibility that they could go quarterback with this pick. And I think, again, you're seeing the Denver Broncos doing it where you still don't know necessarily what you have with Drew Locke. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater. It's expected to be a battle in Denver. There are still two quarterbacks on the board, so maybe Denver could be looking for a quarterback here as well. And that's always the intrigue is, okay, these teams are being a little bit wishy-washy in press conferences leading into the NFL draft. Could they go uh, and make that selection and really change their franchise around? I know that Kyle Brandt of NFL Network on Good Morning Football, I know it's a popular show uh, that a lot of people on our network will watch. He has been banging the table uh, for a guy like Justin Fields, uh, just showed an ability to win at the highest level of college football, uh, but again, has just not been necessarily getting the respect of some of these higher-tier quarterbacks. Again, at the beginning of this draft, we saw uh, Trevor Lawrence. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. And then Trey Lance, who really emerged as the day went on. When I woke up this morning, Mac Jones was favored to go uh, to the San Francisco 49ers, and it wound up being Trey Lance that uh, was exactly who Kyle Shanahan wanted. And so we'll see what the the Panthers uh, do in this scenario. Uh, some other needs that they have, they could get a tight end. They have a need uh, maybe for a guard, an edge player, a cornerback, uh, a linebacker, or also needs uh, for the Carolina Panthers. And when you have a player like Christian McCaffrey, this is not somebody that you want to necessarily waste a year of. Last year it was a very, very injury-filled year, but he can just do so many things. And so I, I think – when you're the Panthers, you want to say, okay, we want to be in the mix every single year. And and again, I, I think they have a good thing going. Uh, they play the Chiefs really tough, who we cover here, and they were within a 67-yard field goal of 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 defeating uh, the Chiefs. It came down to what was a, a two-point game. And so and when you're, you're being able to stick with the Super Bowl champions from two years ago uh, and the, really the team that went on to win the AFC title – I think um, that that ends up being impressive stuff. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we have from Cat Scratch Reader, Bradley Smith, one of the editors uh, of of that website, to talk a little bit about um, the Carolina pick. Bradley, can you hear me? Is your is your audio working? How are we doing? Pretty good. Oh, how are you? There we go. Yes, we're good. How are you feeling with how the board has played out? What are you thinking for the Panthers here? Uh, it's played out about as well as it can for the Panthers. I mean, you know, we still have Justin Fields on the board. Uh, JC Horn is still on the board. Uh, Mac Jones is still on the board. There's plenty of options there for them to, to take with this pick. Now, who would you like to see go to the Panthers at, at right now with all those options there? And, and why do you think that that's the right selection? Why do you think that might be the greatest need? I'm hoping that they go for Justin Fields. Uh, I know we just traded for Sam Darnold, but I think he's the best player left. And you can always use multiple good quarterbacks because you can always trade one of them if you need to. So that's what I'm hoping they do. Now, Bradley, I have you here. And as you can see on our board down there, they did not go with Justin Fields and not going I'm, with the quarterback. I'm, yeah, I'm seeing that now. They did not go with Justin Fields. They went with um, a quarterback, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. So, okay, no Fields here. Uh, so he's starting to fall a little bit. We'll see if that how long that continues. Uh, but J.C. Horn, how, how do you feel? Rapid reaction now going to the Panthers. Uh, I actually like the pick. I kind of wish we could have traded down and still taken Horn. I think he's a good fit for what we need. Uh, I mean, we, we need a cornerback to play alongside um, Dante Jackson. We did sign AJ Boye in free agency, but we still need, 
you know, one more guy. And J.C. Horn is probably the best corner in this draft. So, I mean, it makes sense from a need perspective. It's just, you know, kind of disappointing. I wish they would have went with Fields, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, this to me, and, you know, you're talking about Horn, they're going defense. And so I know that the Panthers and I had spoken about this just a few moments ago, how they weren't sure if they were going to double down on what was Sam Darnold. They were waiting to see how the draft played out. Maybe they were interested in one of the quarterbacks that went a little bit earlier. And now this is really a team. I mean, if you're going Horn with this pick, you'd expect them to pick up that five-year option. Are you comfortable with Darnold now being what will be the face of this franchise? I, I mean, yeah, I ha- don't really have much of a choice. Uh, you know, the, the, the Panthers are comfortable with it. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. They they may trade back up. You know, they may pick one of the mid-round guys to, to compete with Darnold. You know, there's still uh, six rounds of the draft left to go, so anything could happen. Uh, but, you know, if, if they really believe in Darnold that much, then, you know, they're willing to stake their, their coaching uh, job on it, then more power to them. So, you know, well, there you go. Uh, JC Horn ends up going to uh, the Carolina Panthers. Before we let you go, the, the Panthers actually made a trade with the next team we're about to talk about, the Denver Broncos. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater ends up going to the Broncos. I know I, I saw a lot of Panthers fans wishing him luck and, and whatnot. Why do you think it, it didn't work out for Bridgewater in Carolina? I don't know. I mean, Bridgewater is the, he's that, you know, a bridge quarterback. And I think it was just his tendency to, Unintended. to be, you know, yeah, it, it was just his tendency to be too conservative with the ball. Like he didn't want to take shots downfield. And I, I just don't think that's what Carolina was looking for in their offense. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I do wish him the best of luck in Denver if he stays in Denver. Cause you know, there's rumors flying around that, that Aaron Rodgers may end up in Denver and Bridgewater may move elsewhere. So um, wherever he ends up, I do wish him the best. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us on the SB nation live NFL draft show. Where uh, can, where can people find your Twitter handle? What can people expect to catch scratch reader coming up? Uh, you can find me at beat up Smitty. And uh, obviously we will be covering this draft from every angle we can think of. Uh, for the next couple of weeks. And so stay tuned for that. All right. Thank you, Bradley. Have a great thank night. You. Now we'd like to welcome in Joe Rouse of Mile High Report. Joe, we have the Denver Broncos here on the clock. How have you liked how the board has played out for the Broncos to this point? It's just about perfect. Uh, I mean, <laughs> just, Justin Fields was the second guy on my board. If they decide to trade for Aaron Rodgers, it could happen. Uh, I'm happy. I, I hope they don't blow it. Yeah, I, I think that that has become the biggest story really in the NFL, and it stole the show quite a bit. Uh, earlier today with Rodgers just so disgruntled in Green Bay that he is seeking a trade. Uh, again, I cover the Kansas City Chiefs, two teams in the division, and the Las Vegas Raiders, your Denver Broncos, could be the San Francisco 49ers. So it does seem uh, like the Green Bay Packers will be unwilling to to trade Rodgers within the conference. How excited must you be knowing that there is a potential that Aaron Rodgers could end up in Denver? Yeah. And one of the things about it too, is I know the cap situation is part of it. Uh, Rodgers, and I don't have the number right in front of me, but I know the dead cap hit is North of 30 million. I want to say it's like 33.9 million. If they trade him during the draft before June 1st. So maybe that might be part of the reason why it's kind of stalling out. 
Uh, so even if the Broncos don't get him today, they might still be kind of in the running. Um, I love the way George Payton has played this. The Broncos have north of, I think they have $23 million in cap space themselves. Also, obviously they have more picks than at this point than the Niners. So they're they're They look like an appealing destination. If the Packers are going to make a deal. We just let Joe, I'm sorry. We just let Bradley from cat scratch reader go. And what's interesting, I think about your two teams, is the trade that happened earlier this, this, this week with Teddy Bridgewater going to the, the Denver Broncos, you still have drew lock in the mix. If the Broncos don't take a quarterback here, how do you feel about lock and Bridgewater um, and, and where that may go. And let's assume that Rogers isn't traded. If, if that doesn't happen, how comfortable are you with these two guys? Uh, I, I, I liked the Teddy Bridgewater trade a lot just because it raises the floor of the room. Um, if Drew Locke does not take a step forward from what we saw last year, I do think Teddy Bridgewater would beat him out and eventually be the starting quarterback. And the way he plays, it's, it's not necessarily exciting, but he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He'll let his supporting cast carry him and the Broncos have a supporting cast. They just don't have a quarterback. Right. And I, I think from again, a, a chief's, standpoint looking at some of the weapons that you have in Jerry Judy and you get Cortland Sutton back and Tim Patrick was such a pleasant surprise and the injuries that you saw on defense you got to get a lot of those guys back and you do have an offensive line and maybe could use a running back later in the draft but the Broncos really do seem like a team that is a quarterback away and I mean and personally I, I think you kind of know what Teddy Bridgewater is I think you still mm-hmm have some room to maybe figure out what, what Drew Locke is, but you certainly know what Aaron Rodgers is, and there are these quarterbacks that are left, but Mac Jones a little less when you watch the film, I think, than Justin Fields, where it it does really truly have the feel that they're a quarterback away because you need to compete with Patrick Mahomes and you need to compete with Justin Herbert, and you just don't – I don't know how strongly you could feel about a Drew Locke and a Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, agreed. I think if if it ends up being Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, I think – they're they're hoping to push for that seventh or eight, like sixth or seventh wild card spot, maybe second or third in the AFC West. They're they're not really going to push the Chiefs unless something catastrophic happens in terms of injuries to you guys. So I don't hate it. I I, I do like that they made the trade because having Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, and Brett Rippon as your quarterback room was pretty terrifying. So at least Bridgewater gives you something. But I do hope that they continue to kind of add to the room, whether it's Rodgers, Justin Fields. Or somebody else later in the offseason. Yeah, I, and I just want to ask you the, about the offseason. The pick's going to be in here in a second here. Um, but you you mentioned Peyton, and John Elway gave up some of the reins this offseason. Peyton took over in, in January. Just how much have you enjoyed the job that he's done so far? I've loved it. Uh, I mean, we'll find out you know, here in a second how, how much I love it. But the, <laughs> I, I, in years past, basically with Elway, you kind of knew what they were going to do in the draft a month before it happened just because it was such a leaky ship. Yep. There's been disinformation and conflicting reports basically since the day George Payton was hired. Uh, I thought he did a fantastic job addressing needs and free agency without spending too much. Uh, the, again, I, I just mentioned the Broncos have $23 million in cap space. So if the cap doesn't go up next year, when a lot of teams are going to be struggling, the Broncos may very well be able to roll over cap, resign the key players like Cortland Sutton and continue to build. And again, just because they're a quarterback away right now, if they can keep the pieces together, they could be a quarterback away next year too. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. The the pick is in here. Uh, and the Denver Broncos have selected Patrick Sertan uh, out of Alabama. Um, how do you feel rapid reaction when, when you hear that they select the cornerback? 
I like Sertan more than a lot of the other options. I would have preferred Justin Fields. Uh, I have heard from a, a buddy a while back that the Broncos were not as interested in Justin Fields, so I was kind of hoping against hope. But <laughs> rooting against the the secret source, kind of yeah. I was, and again, he was a, he's a good buddy, but I was hoping he was fed misinformation. But but no, I like Sertan. It's a valuable position. The Broncos have Bryce Callahan and uh, Ronald Darby, both of whom. In their entire time in the league, between the two of them, they've played in one 16-plus game season once. So right. it's it's a smart pick because, first of all, the Broncos used nickel or dime 75% of the time last year. Yeah. Also, the odds are one of those guys will probably get hurt at some point. So having a corner who can step in is smart. Yeah, and, and just talking about the cornerbacks a little bit, I know that you guys went through the whole contract situation when it comes to Justin Simmons. He ends up signing the long-term deal. But a lot of these guys in the secondary will be gone or probably yeah. not serviceable after this year. So it really does seem like this was a pick that's investing in the Broncos' future. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kyle Fuller, uh, Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, and Kareem Jackson are all playing on expiring contracts. Again, I think Sertan I think has the technical difficulties. Oh, can you repeat yourself again? Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, uh, you're fine. So Kyle Fuller. Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson all have contracts that expire after this season. Right. So as you mentioned, there's going to be a need for corner next year, regardless. I also think that Sertan can step in almost immediately. I think because he's not flashy, people kind of underrated how good he is and how good he could be. He's pro ready, but also he's, he wins along the line of scrimmage and he erases people. Like I'm, I'm happy with the pick. All right. Uh, well, congratulations. It seems like you're bolstering that secondary there. Wish you much luck uh, in the rest of the draft. Joe Rouse, what can people look forward to at Mile High Report the rest of the draft? Uh, I mean, we'll be breaking down who the Broncos could take in the second, third round, looking at the rest of the draft. Uh, and I will probably start getting back on Patrick Sertan tape. I haven't watched it since January. So <laughs> Now you have a lot to dive into. So that's I great. Do. All right. Well, have a good rest of the draft. We appreciate you joining us for the SB Nation live show here tonight for the NFL draft. Definitely. Thanks for having me. And with that, we'd like to welcome in Ben Natan of the Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, what's going on? What have you thought of the draft so far? Blanket statement. Tell us what you've been thinking. It's been predictable. Mm. I think. I think. I the boring. I wouldn't say boring. You know, I'm 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 excited to be here. You know, but uh, I'm excited that the draft is happening. But I think the first couple of picks uh, were certainly predictable. I think. Uh, the Falcons going Kyle Pitts at four was a little bit of a twist. I think I think some people were expecting them to go with the quarterback there, but uh, I, with Kyle Pitts going there, I think their offense, uh, their offensive prospects in the short term look really exciting. Um, the The Lions were kind of a hinge pick there. I think a lot of the the draft could have shifted in a much different direction if they went quarterback, uh, if they went defense, uh, maybe if they took Devonte Smith. But going with Panay Sewell uh, kind of opens up the rest of the draft for the Eagles, but potentially uh, to ha- have a shot at a quarterback. I'm surprised that Denver uh, passed over a quarterback to get Pat Sertan, but um, I think that he's going to be a really nice fit in their defense. So that's kind of. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> we've made it to number 10 and Dallas Cowboys are on the clock. We've, we've made it. I don't know how it worked out this way, but it, it's the NFC East point of the NFL yeah. draft as, as Dallas will select number 10. Yeah. The New York giants at number 11 and your Philadelphia Eagles will select uh, 12th as you're watching, you know, for the NFC East, 
what would be the most ideal way for this to play out for your Philadelphia Eagles? Um, oh, it looks like the Eagles just traded up to the 10th pick in the draft. That's exa- you know, we knew that was going to happen. And so oh. that's why we decided to, to bring, bring you up here. Which oh, direction my- do you think they're, they're going? Oh my gosh! Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> Some natural reaction from you. Ben. Yeah, wow. Uh, I was gonna. I was like. I was like. I'm gonna be really cool today on the stream. There's. I'm not gonna freak out about anything. But um, okay. Yeah. Play yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm cool. I don't Rel- care. Relax your muscles a little bit. <sighs> yeah. 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 It's all cool. Um, I think that the the logical thing for them to do is probably get Devonte Smith here. I, obviously, they could. They could make a pick out of left field and, and go with Justin Fields and, and get that new quarterback in there to, with the new new head coach. But if they have any faith in Jalen Hurts, you know, you make that Devontae Smith pick and you don't look back. It doesn't really matter that he he's, you know, underweight. Um, he balled out for two years in the hardest conference in, in, in college football. He's the Heisman winner. He was a touchdown machine. He won above the rim. He won in the intermediate game. He won as a deep threat. Uh, he was really doing it all, uh, and the Eagles are in desperate need of a wide receiver, not just a wide receiver, but somebody who can come in tomorrow and catch 80 passes, somebody who can be their guy immediately. They have a ton of young guys in that wide receiver room, a ton of inexperienced guys in that wide receiver room, and they need an alpha dog in there uh, to kickstart that passing offense. And I think that's the kind of player that Devontae Smith is. I think that's the kind of mentality that he can bring to a football team. And in about two minutes, we're going to see if the Philadelphia Eagles agree with me. So we have the exact terms of the trade as it's coming in through ESPN and, and NFL Network. Dallas has traded the number 10 to Philadelphia for its one. So they're swapping picks. Uh, we just talked about how the Philadelphia Eagles were supposed to pick number 12. So they're moving two sp- slots up, essentially, and they're surrendering their third round pick to a division rival. It's not often that you see division rivals, I, w- I would say, even in the NFL draft that are willing to kind of help each other out. But just kind of using the trade value chart seems like it probably makes sense for for both teams. And so here you have uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, picking here. It's It's got to be a player when you do this. It's got to be a player uh, that was attractive to the team in, in front of you. The other team has to know that they feel like they can get their player at, at 12. I know that the Cowboys and Jerry Jones had said that they expect the defensive player that they want to be there. And then you see the two defensive players go. So maybe he was no longer there, whoever that uh, may be. And it does kind of seem like the Philadelphia Eagles will take a, a wide receiver here and probably worried that he wouldn't be there if they let these two teams pick. Yeah, I, I think that th- there was a lot of wonder about you know what the Eagles could p- potentially do when they were sitting back at 12, and cornerback was definitely a consideration, and, and it was probably going to be a consideration for, for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, whose pass defense was historically bad in 2020. Um, with uh, Sertan and, and Horn going back to back there, you know they, they had to get out of that spot, get some value, um, and maybe they, they have a shot at getting one of the top uh, pass rushers in the draft. I think for the Eagles... Not only is it somebody that I think probably was uh, – I th- think they, they had to get in, in front of the Giants, so I, I think that's a, probably another reason it could have been Devontae Smith is because uh, the Giants could have been looking at potentially getting a wide receiver uh, to, to fit into that offense. So we're at 20 seconds out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so there's 20 seconds to go before the pick is in. Nick, First impressions of Nick Sirianni and the, and the job that he's been doing so far just based upon press conferences and just the direction of the organization. Uh, I think I re- I'm I'm a big fan of the mentality that he's bringing into the organization. I I I 
<laughs> maybe it's my own personality, but I, I like kind of like his fun, easygoing approach to football. He's very intense. He very clearly loves the game, but it's not like this cold um, kind of removed sensibility that you get from a lot of NFL coaches. Now he seems very involved, very hands-on, a real players coach. And uh, I, I love it. I, you know, he's kind of corny, but it's a charming. Um, and I think that players are going to warm up to him immediately. He obviously did a really good job uh, in Indianapolis, you know, th- being the offensive coordinator three straight years with three different quarterbacks and being able to find offensive success every year shows that he is he has the ability to adjust his scheme, adjust his coaching to the talent that he's working with. Um, and then regardless of who the starting quarterback is in 2021, you know that he's going to be he's going to be able to uh, to to build, you know, an offense that's going to move the ball and move the ball well. Oh god, the picks in. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of optimism. You know, when the pick when the when when the hiring of, of Sirianni initially happened, I was kind of like Okay, whatever. Because I think I was so I was in, I had such a bad taste in my mouth from how the Doug Peterson situation all went down with yeah. um, with Howie Roseman. But you know, a couple um, press conferences into the situation uh, with Sirianni, and and it's hard not to be enthusiastic about a guy who's like so enthusiastic himself about football, about the team, and about just being in Philadelphia. I, you know, I'm I'm excited because he just seems like an easy guy for, to root for, and and like that's you know a very uh, simple thing right off the bat. All right, Ben. So the pick is in here, and yeah. the the Eagles go and do indeed get Smith out of Alabama. So rapid reaction here. I know you just kind of talked about it, but uh, how do you feel now that it is official? Oh <laughs> uh, man, <laughs> uh, this is this is what I wanted to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're giddy right now. Yeah, no, I really am. I'm. I might. I'm gonna buy a jersey as soon as. Uh, as soon as the stream's over. Um, the the thing with Devonte Smith too. I'm gonna. I'm staying cool. See this. Um, yeah. the thing with Devonte Smith that I think is, on, is on a live stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you're able to outproduce Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs in one year with a, with one quarterback and follow that up the next year as the leading receiver with a completely different quarterback in all of this, you know, weird COVID affected college football season, college football off season and put up the numbers, put up the tape that he did um, is really, really unbelievable. And the thing that, that struck me before we even got to, you know, the, the, like the nitty gritty of what he's able to do and what he's not able to do is that despite Playing with so many other first-round picks. I mean, Jalen Waddle went ahead of him. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs went went in the first round last year. He outproduced all of those guys. He was he was the guy at Alabama for the last two years. Um, he was their big play threat over the last two years, and it didn't matter who the quarterback was. You know, going from Tua to Mac Jones, you know, he was still putting up those numbers. And then you actually look at the tape. You look at the fact that he was able to dominate in the middle of the field despite being a light wide receiver he was getting bodied up by you know linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks holding on to the ball making big plays he was going up over the top making you know deep catches down the field and you know he can play above the rim he can make contested catches he was really winning in all facets of the game he's a great route runner He's uh, extremely cerebral in terms of his ability to adjust to his quarterback, read zone coverages, know to find the soft spots in the defense, sit down, catch the ball. Uh, he is a, as pro-ready a wide receiver as there was in this draft and probably as there was in 
last draft. I think this is going to be a Justin Jefferson situation. Yeah. Where, you know, teams kind of look at like the flashing. I mean, it's that's that even doesn't really make it sense because, you, you know, know he, had a, he had a flashy game. You know, Devontae Smith was making big plays and putting up big numbers the same way that Justin Jefferson was. But for whatever reason, he wasn't seen as being like the, the best receiving option in the, the in the draft. And uh, he's going to make the NFL pay for that. He's going to make the NFL pay for that in a big way. And I am very happy that he's going to be doing it on my favorite football team. I can I can sense I can sense your excitement for Devonte Smith and so congratulations to you and and Bleeding Green Nation it seems like a consensus happiness from Philadelphia yeah. right now. Want to report the news here that we have another trade up. So now back to back trade ups. The Chicago Bears have gotten in a position to make the next pick. They will pick number eleven. They trade it up with the New York Giants. The Giants probably upset about Smith going to their division rival by way of another division rival, but we'll get into that for another day. So, yes, the Bears are trading up. Dave Gettleman makes the first trade back of his career. Robert, I'd like to welcome you in. What do you think is happening here? Well, it's going to be a quarterback. The question is, <laughs> which one is it? I mean, I can't tell you guys enough how much of a dream this is. I mean, to give you an example, I thought for sure that the Eagles were going to be taking fields. I mean, you got to understand, we're paranoid over here in Chicago. <laughs> and so the idea that Jalen Hurts, a second rounder, would get replaced by a guy of fields' caliber made all the sense in the world. But here the Bears are trading up for a quarterback. I sprinted over here because Mike had <laughs> talked to me about like, all right, you got to be live for when the Bears trade up. And I mean, I've been on the edge of my seat since pick number six, for instance. Uh, so here the Bears are. It looks like they traded 20 to, or 164. A 2022 first round pick and a 2022 fourth round pick. So a pretty good hole for number 11 if you look at almost any chart. But as far as what the Bears were probably willing to pay, really not that bad, especially if you're taking a quarterback of Fields' caliber. The question is, who's it going to be? I mean, I am right now because I, I ran from my TV to my computer. So if you guys get the pick, you let me know who it is. I'm still struggling to like find an outlet to watch the darn thing. This is wild. This is way more exciting than a rebuilding year, for instance. Yeah. And that's what we were looking at before See. we traded up. It's it it to me it has to be a quarterback because I'm it's I'm looking be, at right? the, the hall for from Adam Schefter and, and right now the the Giants return is is significant. They get pick number significant. 20 the Chicago Bears next year's first round pick, a uh, fifth round pick this year and a fourth round pick next year. So that's four players in exchange for one. You only do that if you're going to get a quarterback and, yep. and you could tell Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy trying to to get someone in that maybe they can have another opportunity to mold here. Uh, we thought the QB one was going to be Andy Dalton, but now this will certainly complicate things. So I, I kind of can can get from your comments already, but it's good Fields or or Mac Jones here. I would tend to think it's Fields. How disappointed would you be if it ends ends up being Mac Jones? So look, I am actually higher on Mac than some people are. It feels like there was, I'm not going to call it a smear campaign, but ever since Mac Jones was going to be a potential option at number three, it became it became NFL Twitter's mission to prove why he's worse than his We peers. can stop talking about Mac Jones. Not to cut you off, Robert, the pick is in. Justin Fields is a Chicago Bear. Let's wow. Get your, let's wow, that's let's awesome. get your rapid reaction to you Justin guys, Fields. You guys 
understand before the draft, I was thinking two first round picks. I was thinking maybe we get up to Carolina. They do us a favor to keep it from going to New England. They give us or we trade a first round pick, a third round pick this year and a first round pick next year. And we call it even. So the fact that we gave up technically a little less than that to go to the Giants, I don't care what the or the fact that it's for three picks later. The Bears got Justin Fields. They have real direction under center. It only costs them what could be very uh, what could just being candid be a very high 2022 first round pick next year because if you take a look at the Bears schedule it's kind of a murder fest but they have direction I don't understand why it took 11 picks to draft Justin Fields I think the guy's a dynamo he can make any throw in the NFL he he's obviously got tons of athletic talent he played very very well at OSU was one of the primary reasons that the Big Ten played football I mean you guys have heard the story you live on Twitter as much as I do I'm sure Fields was the darling of the of the Twitterverse and now he's a Chicago Bear going from dreaming about Russell Wilson to knowing that Justin Fields is our quarterback is a dream come true. And I, I truly, I never believed it was actually going to happen. This is wild. Yeah. What's what I think is most wild about this is, is you talk about the San Francisco 49ers and certainty and Justin Fields could have went as high as number three and he proved it at the highest possible level of football. And, and Lance is to me such a, an unknown. This seems like not only a safer pick, but a possible one because I, I look at Chicago and I don't think that they could necessarily make this move because I don't think they were going to get up high into the high top 10 without really having to sacrifice a full draft. And so right. talking about four picks, yes. Is it a, a haul? Absolutely. But unless you have a quarterback, you ain't doing anything in the yeah. NFL. And the Chicago Bears finally have a, a couple quarterbacks in the mix and they have the option too. If you know Dalton is there, uh, I wonder, you know, what the commentary will be as to whether or not he's going to start right away. What is your gauge on that? I know this is very new. This is very raw. Do you think that Fields could be the starter this year? You think I'm not ready for this? Come on. I've been thinking <laughs> about quarterbacks like, for the last bunch Dreaming. of months. Yeah. So the, so the funny thing about Andy Dalton is, and I have no idea, honest to goodness, so we've got Arrowhead Pride, we've got Bleeding Green Nation. I don't know how much you guys pay attention to Chicago, but of Andy course. Dalton's – you know, probably the best quarterback we've played in the last five years. So it's not a it's not an honorary title to call him the best quarterback we've had in a while. But he he kind of qualified as an upgrade. So will he hold down that position? I think a lot of this depends on what Matt Nagy wants to do on offense. Maybe you guys caught wind of it. Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky ran totally separate offenses. Matt Nagy was running sort of a copy, and I say copy because it felt like it. A copy of the Shanahan. Let's roll him or like let's roll the quarterback out. Let's not ask Mitch to do much when Mitch was under center. And he ran more West Coast style offense with Nick Foles under center. So if he wants to go the complicated West Coast offense route and what could potentially be the last year of his job, I think Andy Dalton's the guy. But if they want to get that young stud on the field ASAP and Fields proves himself in camp, the Bears could certainly stick with the offensive direction that they're going with. And who knows? Maybe just maybe Justin Fields is the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with and he decides to stick around in Chicago. You never know. A quarterback can change everything. I think that's what's so exciting about this. Tons of Bears fans were ready and raring to get an offensive lineman at number 20 or trade back. This is the kind of move that gives us a direction. And you know what? If it flames out just like Mitch Trubisky did only a short couple of years ago, so be it. But I'd rather ride the quarterback roller coaster than entrust everything to Andy Dalton to sit around (laughs) and wait a year. You know what I mean? 
I, you guys are giving me some energy because the Kansas City Chiefs will not pick tonight. And Ben, you get Devontae Smith. You were very, very excited to see him go to Philadelphia. Robert, you come on and you join us. And Justin Fields, you've been the most exciting guest we've had all night because I, I don't <laughs> think that this scenario was necessarily a given. And so thank you guys for giving me a jolt of energy. With that, I'm going to close my portion of what will be the hosting of the SB Nation NFL uh, live show. going to pass the torch here to my colleague of Niners Nation and a member of the SB Nation NFL show, Rob. Uh, Stats Guerrero will take over the rest of the way. Uh, Stats, it's been an amazing draft so far. I think we finally are starting to get some surprises. How have you felt about uh, the Niners pick, and and how do you feel about this trade-up and what's going on here in the NFL draft? Well, first of all, Robert, take care of my guy. I'm not going to lie. I wanted Justin Fields. Uh, I, to me, it seemed like he had the whole package. And Pete, thank you very much for shepherding everybody through the draft. Really appreciate it. I'm sure you did an adequate job. <laughs> Only adequate. Only adequate. Um, look, I mean, I wanted Fields. Like, I think if you're a Bears fan right now, you should be through the moon. Like, it is possible right now that you have just selected the best quarterback your franchise has ever had. In the oh, history yeah. of the organization, you might have just gotten him tonight. I don't even think I'm using rose-colored glasses when I say I had Fields as the second-best quarterback in the draft. And I'm not trying to come after anybody that loves Zach Wilson and so on and so forth. My mantra for since, like, February has been if Trevor Lawrence never existed, Justin Fields is the surefire first overall pick and nobody asks any questions. The fact that the Bears got him at 11 is eerily reminiscent of the Chargers getting uh, Justin Herbert, ironically two Justins, where everybody overanalyzed a lot of Herbert's flaws and here he comes out in LA has a really really nice year like you're saying I'm I am through the moon this is my measured reaction like this is me trying not to go full homer because I'm trying to be the best analyst I can but I knew just like you guys knew that if the Bears waited until pick 13 it's the Patriots ball like it's it's over it's just too short a distance you lost 11 they got Dave Gettleman to trade back and they offered what you should never offer for pick number 11, but for quarterback, you know, I, I would dare say it's fair market value. Nothing's ever a steal when you're throwing a future first in, but that's that's a good trade if you're getting the guy. And the Bears certainly seem like they did. I do not know and will not know why it is that Justin Fields slid from three to 11 without getting picked up. But I hope that I never find out and that the whole rest of Bears Twitter or the whole rest of like Bears Nation and the NFL, who I know love Fields in general, all get to point and say, see, like they did it right. And if that finally gets to be Chicago, we've been laughed at for two decades now. Like we still talk about 1985. I would love to talk about 2022, (laughs) talk about 2023 and so on and so forth. It is so much better being on that side of the fence. Ben, did the Bears make the right move here? Absolutely. I I mean – there is there is a world where Justin Fields was on the Eagles. There's a world where Justin Fields should have been on the 49ers. Honestly, there is a world where Justin Fields should have been a New York Jet. I, I, I agree totally with Robert uh, with what he was saying in terms of he's a QB1 in any other draft class. He should have been the QB1 in any other draft class. In my opinion, you know, he was better than Joe Burrow was last year, uh, and I love Joe Burrow. He, he has arm strength. He has athleticism. He's smart as hell. He's tough as hell. I don't know how he fell to the 11th pick in the draft, um, but the Bears got an incredible, uh, incredible quarterback. And if I'm if I'm Matt Nagy, start him day one. 
you got to throw him out there, see what he can do. Bears have uh, they have a team that's ready to win, and I think Justin Fields is probably ready to win with them. I think the 100%. most important thing, not to cut you off here, is that the Bears need to find a way to provide some stability for Fields. You know what would be the worst move here? Just talking it like, let's say it first things out to anybody watching. It would be to give Fields over to Matt Nagy, who I don't think is near as bad as many people give him, like or many people think that he is, and they immediately fire him, change the staff, get a new GM, get a new coach, and um, give him two offensive coordinators in two years. My opinion, I'm not saying you ride with Matt Nagy, but George McCaskey needs to be willing to let Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace stick around for better or for worse. You've got your young quarterback. You probably didn't think you were going to get him. I was preparing for Mac Jones. I was preparing for Kellen Mond tomorrow. Like uh, this is <laughs> this is a situation I didn't actually think we'd be in, but now you got to figure out how to make him successful. If you can, or like you got to hitch your entire wagon to this kid. And well, thankfully, I think he's worth it. And that's something the Bears have not been able to do. I hope for your sake they do. I think that game the Niners and Bears play at Soldier Field next year is going to be mighty interesting, especially (laughs) if Trey Lance is under center for the Niners. Robert, thank you very much for joining us. Go have some adult beverages. Go celebrate. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to like take off clothes and run through the streets, but you should be happy tonight, (laughs) and we appreciate the time. You bet. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. You don't think that – you know, maybe he might have a little fun tonight. Now, yeah, yeah, in. yeah, absolutely. All that, all that stress finally washes away. So wow. now we get to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, who, man. I mean, everybody in the world thinks this is going to be a defensive pick, right? I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, their defense was putrid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a lot of trouble in the secondary, but anything that happens in the back four is going to start up front with the front seven. And it looks like the, the Cowboys wanted to address that because it looks like they drafted uh, Micah Parsons. Um, Wow. What a pick. I mean, are you stunned? The Cowboys I mean, the Cowboys don't even need good defense. They just need average adequate. Don't let the other team (laughs) score every time they have the ball defense. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the position, but I knew that they had to take a defender here. And look, with Sean Lee retiring, the Cowboys had a hole at the linebacker spot and they filled it. Yeah, and and I think that it's important. I mean, you know, Micah Parsons is as talented a defender as there is in this draft. I mean, if you can get a guy who's 6'3", with running four, 6'3", 240 pounds, running 4'3", 4'3", whatever, um, and you can put him in your front seven to play linebacker, that's pretty special. And then you you put him in there with Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, and you have uh, potentially, you know, one of the most athletic, one of the most talented linebacking groups in the league. And, and you're right. I mean, the, the Cowboys... The Cowboys, before Dak Prescott got hurt, I mean, their offense was on a tear. I mean, they were putting up points at a a truly unbelievable rate. And now they have to focus on stopping the other team. I mean, you you can't lose every game 45 to 40. You know, you can't be getting into shootouts every week. And like you said, just average defensive players in there um just to even get in the way of another offense to give the cowboys a chance to uh you know put up put up 35 points and win a football game i think that you know there's a lot of questions with micah parsons you know he hasn't played football in a year obviously that i mean that hasn't stopped other nfl teams from uh taking other players very high um there's some off the field questions that he's gonna have to address with the team he's probably already talked about it with the front office um 
And, you know, he's a little bit raw at the, at the linebacking position. I mean, he's a, he's a great athlete. And, you know, when you have a great athlete at the college football level, sometimes they just try to win with their athleticism. And there's a lot of work to be done in terms of uh, kind of the more mental side of playing defensive football. But he's in a great position. I mean, he, he's, he's going to be playing with some really good linebackers to, to, to help kind of bring him along. And, and there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him for, to be the guy immediately. I think this is a really good pick by Dallas. It's a three-down linebacker, which I think is important, too. It gives them more flexibility, and it's a guy that can be a ball hawk a little bit. And if you're the Cowboys, you know, an extra turnover a game is massive for you when you have that offense and you're able to churn out points like Dallas has. I, I think it was a good move. I, I think we've kind of – I'm wondering now, like, have we kind of seen the end of the Jerry Jones doing crazy things era and maybe either Stephen Jones is the guy that's actually pulling the strings behind the scenes or that Jerry, you know, as he gets a little bit older, has sort of cooled off a little bit because this is, seems like a rational, reasonable pick from the Dallas Cowboys – and we don't always get those. Yeah, I think I think it's been a few years of them putting, you know, really drafting solid players in the first round. I think they I think that they've always kind of found a nice balance between like flashy and solid. Uh, and, and I think Parsons kind of fits into that mold where it's like, OK, they needed this guy. But he's also, you know, an extremely athletic linebacker who's going to be able to blitz. He can cover. He can, you know, he can defend the run. Um, he can really play anywhere on your defense for you. Um and, and, you know, as, in terms of how it affects their defense, I mean, when you have three athletic linebackers with guys who are that fast between, you know, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, and, and Micah Parsons, it changes the whole way that you can call defense. I mean, I, I think a really good example of that is Carolina back in 2015. You had Luke Keekley, you had Shaq Thompson, you had Thomas Davis, three just unbelievably athletic, unbelievably smart linebackers. And it took so much pressure off your back four to have linebackers who would cover that much ground and you had an ability to stay in base a lot because you had linebackers who could cover slot receivers you had linebackers who could cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield uh, and it gives you a lot of flexibility where you can stay in base to stop the run and still have the personnel to to you know play against the pass i, I think this is a really good pick by dallas um and, you know, Parsons might come along a little bit slowly, it might not his stride until late in his rookie year. Um, but, you know, his potential going into year two, year three of his NFL career is, you know, all the way up here. Absolutely. Dan Quinn runs the Seattle scheme. They're hoping that they just found their Bobby Wagner. Ben, we appreciate all the time you've given here to the SB Nation NFL Draft Show. Enjoy the picks. I yes. I'm assuming you're happy as an Eagles fan tonight. Yeah. I, mean, I just hopped in here, but I assume you're happy. Absolutely. I'm going to go crack a beer as soon as I get off. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it. Yeah. Ben Atana from Bleeding Green Nation. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Have a great night. We are going to have plenty more for you tonight as the draft goes on. As you see, we are rolling in analysts from all our different SB Nation NFL communities. If you have a question or a comment, please, we want to interact with you. We want you to be part of the conversation. Drop it in. We'll be happy to answer it all night long. We are not going anywhere. It is getting crazy. And now let's continue rolling with our guests. Let's go with Kenny Arthur from the Turf Show Times. I'm interested to talk to you as a selfish 49ers fan. The <laughs> Niners pass on Justin Fields. They go Trey Lance here. You have to play my Niners twice a year. How do you feel yeah. about the move? I think that it is definitely the move that for the 49ers should carry the most upside long-term, I think, uh, out of those three 
quarterbacks, you know, I thought that Mac Jones would have been a really good pick uh, for right now if the 49ers wanted to emphasize like being their best version of a team in 2021 and maybe 2022. And who knows how much further Mac Jones uh, will develop after that because, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he drives comparisons to Tom Brady. I'm not comparing it to Tom Brady, especially, I mean, maybe if he goes, you know, if he falls another 170 picks, then I'll compare him to Tom Brady maybe. But, you know, just in the sense of every quarterback evolves and changes if he's going to be a franchise quarterback. So maybe Mac Jones would have gotten better. I assume that Trey Lance and Justin Fields, you know, uh, well, I, I don't assume that anybody is going to get better. Uh, but, you know, I think that Trey Lance is the player who certainly I think emphasizes that Jimmy Garoppolo would stick around. Did, did that make you change your mind at all about whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo will be the quarterback in week one? I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo anywhere near this team. Kyle Shanahan did speak after they made the pick and he said it would be, quote, very tough if Jimmy Garoppolo was not there. He said he doesn't want to have to play Lance right away. And he said that he expects Garoppolo to be on the team. And let's be honest, if Kyle Shanahan expects it, that's what's going to happen because uh-huh. he runs the 49ers along with Mike Shanahan. So if Kyle says he's going to be around, I'm assuming he's going to be there. I don't love that, to be honest with you. To me, you don't bring the new girlfriend back to your place when the ex is still in the house. Like that that just does not seem like a good recipe to me. You got to move out of that apartment, number right? one. You don't live in that apartment. Like nobody wants to be there. The new quarterback doesn't want the old guy there. The Jimmy knows that Lance is the future, and that's the guy they ultimately want to go with. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's getting 24, you know, $26 million. So I guess that's good for him. But, you know, he wants to play too. Jimmy Garoppolo is 30 years old. He doesn't want to be sitting around much longer. He did that already with Tom Brady. He's trying to prove yeah. that he can actually play in the league. So supposedly he's going to be there. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a very good point because Jimmy Garoppolo is not quite in the same position as, say, Nick Foles or even like uh, Carson Wentz or any of these players that – you know, completely sort of uh, failed out of their roles with their current court, uh, teams, Jared Goff being, you know, one of the prime examples of that. So Jimmy Garoppolo didn't fail out. He just kind of injured himself out. And there aren't, there are certainly limitations to his game that maybe wouldn't work for every team. But I think for teams like the Patriots, you know, it's a proven uh, model for success to some degree. But I think that you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo's only got one career and he's got one opportunity to prove himself as a starter. And I think that a team would be more prone to giving him that opportunity. We'll have to find out like what teams finish, uh, I guess, probably the first round or two to see where Mac Jones and, and Kellen Mond and Davis Mills and some of these other quarterbacks go and then sort of see where it goes. But I could see Jimmy Garoppolo uh, having the most value, uh, sell you know, selling him around the point of August. Maybe if there's an injury or if there's just not a lot of progress made from, you know, somebody that w- was drafted. You know, so I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is in a better situation. And yeah, it's it's hard to imagine him buying into uh, any job that he knows uh, comes with an expiration date. You cover the Rams, obviously, for the Turf Show Times, but let's stay in that city because the Chargers pick is in, and it is Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern. To me, this is the biggest no-brainer pick of all time, and I love, Kenny, what the Chargers are doing. 
because they're doing the same thing the Chiefs are doing. They are going into the offseason saying, we are going to protect and build around our number one asset. The Chiefs did that with their offensive line, and the Chargers are doing the same thing. They go out in free agency. They sign Corey Lindsley to, to lock down the center position. Now they have the, or some people think, the best tackle in the draft, depending on who you ask. They get it. Justin Herbert's our guy. That's our meal ticket. We are protecting this guy, and we are going to let him carry us in 2021. Yeah, I think that Rayshon Slater is, uh, it, like you said, it's a no-brainer pick for the Chargers. Uh, they have Trey Pipkins starting at the left tackle right now. And, and even if that, that was the case in week one, you know, there is some sort of long-term future there for Justin Herbert. I think that uh, related to the Rams, you know, their general manager, Brad Holmes, coming from the Rams organization, he knows firsthand the quality, the value of a left tackle that to have that long-term, whether it was Orlando Pace for the Rams starting in the 90s, whether it was Andrew Whitworth for the Rams starting in 2017, you know, the presence of Andrew Whitworth changed a lot for the Rams, obviously. And so, you know, for the, the Lions, they were like, well, before I was never, ever, 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 ever buying into the idea that the Lions were going to draft a quarterback. This is not the time to do that. So they set that up with getting their tackle and, you know, the Chargers did go that opposite way. They got the quarterback and then they got the tackle. But, you know, my this is my favorite story about Justin Herbert. And the reason that after the draft last year, I really thought that he was going to be the best quarterback out of the draft class and a future, wow. in my opinion, a future MVP. Uh, when he was coming in, when he was in high school and he could have been a top recruit, you know, and there were all these uh, – scouting things going on around the country and you know this is where players like trevor lawrence and justin fields become five-star prospects and huge things uh names that carry them all the way to the draft and justin herbert he skipped a lot of those and he didn't get uh, uh five stars and the reason that he skipped all of them was because he said he was too dedicated to his high school team and he wasn't gonna give up what he was building there for any sort of personal gain and he was so close to oregon that he was gonna go there and then he just goes to oregon is like fifth on the depth chart is then he's a starter as a true freshman he leads them to the rose bowl i just like everything about him so i think the chargers with Rayshon Slater, I would like to see them get a weapon in round two for Justin Herbert and just keep going in this direction. But I'm I'm super high on the Chargers. I have them winning in the AFC. Yeah, I, I first of all, I think the Chargers over. I think it was nine and a half. I was saying weeks ago, mash the over. The Chargers are going to uh -huh. do it. I know the division is tough, and maybe it could be harder if uh, if the Broncos end up getting Aaron Rodgers, like seems to be the hot rumor circulating on Twitter. But I love what the Chargers are doing. If you look historically, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was Mike Greenberg that said historically tackles in the fourth in the first round are successful like sixty percent of the time, whereas wide receivers in the first round are successful like eighteen percent of the time. So the Chargers are doing the smart thing; they can still get a weapon later in the draft. Okay, we got a little bit of news now because the New York yeah. football Jets have traded up with the Minnesota Vikings. They are up at 14. There is a ton of talent on the board. Yeah. Obviously, they already have Zach Wilson. Where do you think the Jets are going at number 14 here? You know, first of all, every time I did a mock recently, I had the Vikings trading down. They don't pick again until 78. So I have the, <laughs> the Vikings trading down every time because they need more picks, even though they have a lot of picks on day three. There's a lot that they could go with uh, if you're the Jets. I think that 
Elijah Vera Tucker uh, is being under, you know, he could be a guy that uh, even though they have, you know, they just took a tackle last year, obviously, Mekhi Becton, you just keep building up that offensive line for, yes. for Zach Wilson. I would like to see Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think has the potential to be the best all-around offensive lineman in this class. Um Look at this There's banner so we put up. Jets needs. Why did you stop the <laughs> positions at five, Michael Kist? Keep going. <laughs> Any other position you want to throw on there, guard, center, linebacker, throw them all up there. I love what the Jets are doing. I love it. They're being aggressive. They have draft capital. I don't know if Joe Douglas can make the picks. There you go. That's much more accurate. Jets need it a lot. <laughs> but I like the way he manipulates the board and kind of throws his weight around a little. I'm not Leon. I don't know anything as far as rumors or what people say or what even was going on. You know, if I was going to throw in a sleeper, somebody that's been buzzing a lot recently would be Zaven Collins because he's, he fits in so many different ways. Again, I think Elijah Vera Tucker uh, is a guy that makes sense. There's nothing that the Jets couldn't do if you were going with the best player available. It just feels like they could also take a big swing on the on the best pass rusher, whether they feel that's Jalen Phillips or whether they feel that's Quiddy Pay. Uh, the Jets, uh, again, are a team that's going to be so far out of it this year. Um, what are they doing to to build next year when again they have what fifteen, probably a fifteen or sixteen first round picks or something like that? So <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the the, the terms of the deal. Uh, it looks like on Twitter that the Jets are taking Vera Tucker. So they're trying to build up the offensive line. Yeah. Like, the same thing we just talked about with the Chiefs and the Chargers. Like, you got to protect your guy. It's it's a simple strategy. Get the quarterback, build it up around him. And the offensive line, like, they aren't sexy picks. But they make every other part of your team better. If you have average wide receivers like the Jets have, you know what really helps? a really good offensive line. So you give your quarterback more time to throw. Even average wide receivers can get open. If you have average running backs like the Jets, the offensive line can open holes for them and make them good. It's not sexy, but it's a solid move by the Jets. If the Jets, you know, come out of, because they got another pick at 33 or 34, you know, they, whether they stay there, whether they want to get back into the first round or whatever, they have a lot of different directions that they go to continue to build the uh, offense. You know, if you started looking at it with Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, then all of a sudden they got Mackay Becton on their offensive line with Vera Tucker, uh, Connor McGovern. It starts to get a little bit better there. If they wanted to go out and get another weapon, I know they signed Corey Davis in the offseason. They drafted Denzel Mims last year. I think Jamison Crowder is going into the final year of his deal there. This is such a good wide receiver class that if they then again go wide receiver later on, they could still come away with Kadarius Tony or yep. uh, uh, Terrace Marshall, anything that you want to throw out there. It, all of a sudden now you're talking about, are the Jets going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch in the near future? You know, it feels that way. It feels like you want to watch Zach Wilson play and you want Zach Wilson to have the best. When I was watching BYU, nothing against their receivers and their tight ends or whatever, but I did see, you know, you saw drops, you saw it didn't quite come in to have that elevated with the jets, with all the other things that come to his game. I can't believe we're going to want to watch the jets, but that does have a, that's a feeling that I have somewhere in my gut. 
good. Like it's to our benefit, right? Like sometimes you get stuck with that Jets game in prime time. You want it to be good. Uh, according to the athletic, the Jets traded number 23, number 66 and number 86 for number mm. 14 and number 143. That according to the athletic, I'm mean, like we said, the Jets have plenty of draft capital. And they're using it to make moves. And I feel like these general managers, I don't know if it's a new thing or if it's just me. Maybe I'm getting older, but like guys are willing to wheel and deal, man. It is not like it was back in the day where nobody wants to make a trade. Now it's like pick up the phone and let's make a deal. This is such an interesting year for all of the normal circumstances that there are. I think the most interesting storyline of the 2021 draft leading into it is is the talent pool. You know, the last couple of years, 2,000 or so players entering the draft. This year, 657 players entered the draft. It changes the dynamic of day three picks and undrafted free agents. It makes it so much harder to feel like you're going to fill your needs later on. So whether you're a team that just needs to move up a few spots, I think they're going to be so much more willing to give up those day three picks and see whether or not a team that's trading down is like, well, we still think that we're going to do good on day three. Or like the Minnesota Vikings, we just have more needs that we need to fill. There's, There's so many things that are playing into this part. Now, the Patriots are on the clock, and I, I do think uh, – as I don't know if they've made the official pick or all that kind of stuff, uh, but I, if the Patriots are on the clock next, you know, Mac Jones, as described by the draft network, scheme fit, Earhart Perkins offensive system is his best scheme fit. The Earhart Perkins offensive system was designed by the Patriots. It is utilized by the Patriots. The Patriots are on the clock. Mac Jones is a person that might be able to, help the Patriots. What do you, what do you feel about that? And since we talked about the jets just now with regards to the 49ers picking Trey Lance, how did you measure that against whether if the 49ers had, had well wound up with Wilson or Jones? I, I would have been fine with Wilson. Um, Jones was no, just no, you don't move heaven and earth. You don't go from 12 to three because you like Mac Jones. You go from right. 12 to three because you don't like Mac Jones. And that's ultimately (laughs) what we saw. Kyle Shanahan was even joking about it, how, hey, you know, we love that everybody thought we were on Mac Jones and we weren't about to correct them at all. Um, So, you know, let's see. We'll find out with Trey Lance. I'm super excited, Um, but he's going to be compared to all the quarterbacks in this draft class. And if you, uh, if I believe Twitter here, Mac Jones is actually the pick for the New England Patriots at 15. So that makes yeah. a ton of sense for the Patriots. Mac Jones' greatest strength. I worked with Chris Sims for years on Pro Football Talk. Uh, I was texting with him a couple days ago, trying to figure out what the Niners are going to do because he's yeah. loved Mac Jones. He tells me that Mac Jones' feet are elite in the pocket, that he yeah. does things with moving from side to side and shuffling and moving his feet and, and resetting his feet when he goes from read to read that are elite, that are on an NFL level right now, and that is exactly the type of thing that the Patriots will value. And, oh, by the way, if you thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to the Patriots, think again. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the second coming of Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe. Uh, or better yet, you know. I I, I did feel like, yeah, if, it's interesting because I, I thought that if the 49ers had traded up for Mac Jones, that the player who they would have traded up for uh, 
was Mac Jones. If the Patriots had traded up, was going to be because the Patriots were giving them competition for Mac Jones. And and as you said, it's because we've seen now that Mac Jones would have been available at 12. So obviously the 49ers didn't need to stay at 12. They had to get up to Trey Lance. I'm still shocked by the amount of, I don't want to call it, fanfare because fanfare is like a positive word and i don't want to use a positive word for all of the news media that surrounded the 49ers and what would happen with pick number three i wouldn't say it was fanfare i would say it was uh fan uh dystopia i don't know but everything (laughs) went terribly uh wrong we saw the evil inside of all man during the last few years, uh, excuse me, the last few months or the last few weeks, especially debating who the 49ers would pick at number three. I thought the only player or the only team that would seem to compete for Mac Jones would be a team like the Patriots. So it, it makes sense to me for the Patriots to go in with Mac Jones next season, uh, giving Bill Belichick an option there when he still has Cam Newton. It's a totally different look as compared to Cam Newton, but I think that it it is sort of a rare opportunity to ever see New England in the top 20 of a draft. And so Belichick, he obviously thinks that with all the opt-outs returning next season and with the fact that he's Bill Belichick and he has uh, more Super Bowl rings than he can wear on on one hand, he (laughs) probably has the confidence to know or feel like, I'm not going to be picking in the top 20 again. So I was not expecting the Patriots to pick a quarterback, but I also wasn't expecting Mac Jones to be available at 15. So the fact that he is available at 15 – uh, it would it makes total sense to me for him to go to the Patriots. Sometimes there are pick you make like the 49ers pick where it's like, ah, uh, Fields, Lance, what do we do if Wilson falls? You don't know what to do. And sometimes a dude just lands right in your lap. I think we yeah. just saw that with the Chargers. And I think if you're in New England, I know they have other needs. I know they need wide receivers. I know they need, you know, just basically skill position players, some speed and guys that can make a play. But when Mac Jones is here, when you potentially could get the quarterback that you like without having to give up any draft capital whatsoever, you do it. And Bill Belichick, you know, me and Brandon Lee Gowden have a saying on our on our show, the off-day debrief, do the thing, do the smart thing. And shocker, Bill Belichick has done the smart thing again. Yeah, I mean, this is, everything about Mac Jones is Patriots. And everything about uh, Mac Jones is sort of Bill Belichick. And, um, it's such a difference that, you know, the 49ers was the best situation by far to go to. And we all, we all could see that, but the Patriots is the best possible situation for Mac Jones to go to. And I think it's a better situation than if Justin Fields had gone to the Patriots. I think both quarterbacks are in the right place uh, right now. I do think that, you know, Chicago probably uh, take Chicago and new England probably take the slower route uh, with these quarterbacks, if they can try, I mean, tr- it's going to be so interesting. I, I just can't get my mind off of, you know, the 49ers and Trey Lance either. You know, it's going to be <laughs> so interesting to see how that develops because with all of those talented receivers and, and George Kittle and the offensive line and the running backs and Kyle Shanahan, I mean, anybody other than Trey Lance for that first game or first month or first season, it's just going to feel like, um, you know, like you have the wind knocked out of you that you don't, you don't have a soul inside of your body. You're going to want to <laughs> see somebody else. If, if you're out there and 
Josh Johnson is running the 49ers offense in week one. You know, it just feels like, okay, well, let's, let's get going to the next thing. Uh, but everything so far feels pretty as predictable for, for the draft, you know, the, the, the teams that have the players that have gone, we haven't seen any real shockers that I can recall, uh, going too early, uh, the Cardinals, you know, being on the board here again, they have a lot of different needs of talking about wide receiver, whether or not, I think that wide receiver would be a bad move here for Arizona. I think that the Cardinals, not that it would be a bad move because the, the Cardinals do need weapons, but when's it going to be enough? When's it going to be enough for Cliff Kingsbury and Steve <laughs> Kime? You got Kyler Murray. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You keep spending second round picks on wide receivers. You, you know, you're, you've, you've put a lot of stock into that side of the ball. And last year with Isaiah Simmons, yes, it was a defensive player. Yes, it might have been the defensive player with the highest ceiling. But as we've seen, uh, he doesn't have a real position. It's kind of a luxury pick. You hope that he eventually becomes a star somewhere. I think that they have to get a cornerback. You know, the top two everyone has has gone, are gone. People would say this is too early for Greg Newsom or even Caleb Farley. I, I mocked Caleb Farley, Farley yesterday uh, because I think, like, because I don't know anything. So why not just put Caleb Farley? <laughs> I mean, what? that's all a mock draft is. I don't know. If anybody says they know, they don't know. But my gut feelings, my gut feelings said that Mac Jones was going to the 49ers. So don't trust anything that I'm saying, but uh, Caleb Farley, there's so many ways to go. Okay. Known liar, Kenny Arthur with us here from the Turf <laughs> Show Times. Here's the thing with Caleb Farley. I agree. The Cardinals need a cornerback. They're sec I know they got Malcolm Butler, which is a nice addition, but you got to build that up, especially in the division they play in. You got DK Metcalf, Tyler yeah. Lockett, Debo, Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk. I mean, you really got to step it up. Obviously, everybody the Rams have as well. And now Matthew Stafford chucking them the ball. Yeah. You you can't go Caleb Farley like back injuries do not get better. Like that's one area of the human body that we really haven't figured out how to fix too well. And yeah. he's already got back problems. Like he's a rookie and that he's going to have that his whole career. That's going to be an issue to me. You can't go there with your first round pick. Brian Billick once said that need is a terrible evaluator. <laughs> and I agree. Like the Cardinals can't just pick him because that's their biggest need. That is not necessarily the smartest move for them. It's funny. Yeah. You know, you talk about Cliff Kingsbury and when is enough going to be enough? I still think the offense is the issue there in Arizona. I think the defense was good enough, but the offense just isn't as, as good. It seems like they're always in the mud. They can never get out of their own way. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think both sides of the ball are still works in progress and still unproven. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's so that's going to be his bread and butter. But you know, you, you draft a quarterback first overall. I don't think that Kyler Murray or the passing offense is necessarily going to get better because of a wide receiver. It's the same thing with the Ravens. Why I don't think the Ravens need to draft a wide receiver earlier with one of their first round picks necessarily. They could, and you never know what would happen. They could trade for Julio Jones for all you know, and he might be a valuable player to them. But it's it would be like adding you know uh, a Ferrari engine to a bicycle. There's it's nothing quite enough there for you to justify passing the ball that much. The Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins. I don't expect a lot from AJ Green, but you got AJ Green. You got Christian Kirk. You got Andy Isabella. You put so much stock into that that I don't know that Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman, who I love is going to improve Arizona's offense a ton. And they don't have a very they don't have a great defense and you're right they might this is where they would love to trade down 
Uh, all out, well, uh, the pick is in. I was going to say Zayvon Collins. Collins. <laughs> the linebacker from Tulsa. So apparently the Cardinals think the defense is the problem. They pick another yeah. guy, though, Kenny. Like, does he fit in a 3-4? Does he fit in a 4-3? You know, what is his exact role? I feel like it, it's very similar to Isaiah Simmons in that, you know, he's sort of in this weird spot. And maybe, like you said, that they all blossom and come together, and then the Cardinals have like a really versatile defense full of interchangeable parts. But I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Yeah, I almost went, you know, I almost got another pick right because I was going to say Zayvon Collins <laughs> when I was talking about Caleb. Sure Farley. you were. Sure you were. But I, I, Zayvon Collins is somebody only because Zayvon, Zayvon Collins, probably only because Zayvon Collins is somebody that's been talked about uh, to the Cardinals for the last few days. So. They went with it. They went with the thing that was talked about, and there was a lot of teams. I think Zayvon Collins is the most fungible linebacker, the most versatile linebacker, the best coverage linebacker, perhaps, in this draft. That's why I thought, you know, it's possible that if some of those rumors about Micah Parsons were sliding, that, you know, possible that Zayvon Collins would have been the first linebacker selected. Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa is still available. Uh, they, they passed on him. I, I think that, as I was saying, I just think that the Cardinals – really couldn't go wrong with a lot of uh, the decisions positionally wise because they could have justified a wide receiver. Uh, they could have just justified, you know, getting better on the offensive line, I guess. Uh, but it, really anything like a cornerback or, or a linebacker or pass rusher, it's not as though J.J. Watt and A.J. Green and Rodney Hudson are going to be in the long-term plans. Uh, the thing I like about this pick is that he was a safety and a quarterback in high school. And I like, like, middle linebackers that play and think like quarterbacks and uh -huh. I, you know i know obviously it was high school not college but you know it's not like he forgets all that stuff you know he sort of has a unique <laughs> window there into a quarterback's thinking and i think that's part of the reason why he is such a good coverage linebacker because he does have that experience in his background